AJ is got no hair <laughs> and he's at doctor's office hair, hair. what what rhymes over with there over there somewhere yeah. not here Scare? he's there okay AJ's gone we got Fez we got Scott Seidenberg we got Mackenzie who's had a couple good uh, showings and he's very like, if you blink you would miss it but I don't blink when I'm looking at Mackenzie, I gets just a mer- he gets a merit. A merit. That's the opposite. That's a negative demerit. <laughs> yeah. So AJ does have his MRI on his bum knee, as I call it. He doesn't like that. Me calling it a bum knee. Mm. But what's he gonna do? He's got a bum knee. You know, I I I, I give him credit. He he hobbles on in. He, he not gonna put oh, him. He start he starts to wince when he, it's convenient. You're not gonna put him on the sticks. I would be on those crutches. You know, maximum sympathy. Well, not you, him. You had you had a blister, and it it was two weeks you were coming in with your leg. It like, was out. turf toe. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> All right, let's get straight to the. But we do have a, a nice little 15 minutes. With AJ doing some, you know, he was following up on my concept of each NBA team that wins a title, almost all of them have a super superstar. And we quantified it. It was quite good, Fez. Mm. You weren't here. Showtime! Woo! All right, Fez, we're going dealer's choice. You start. All right, let's start with, can I start golf? I want to talk Tiger Woods. I think that might be the, I mean, this seems thin. So let me play devil's advocate. Okay, he's not, the public likes to bet him. He's overvalued. But right. yes, you're correct. But this is RJ Bell 101. So we take, we need to, we're going to dig in and get a good, a much better subset of the underlying idea of fade Tiger Woods. And you, before the Masters, were not past posting, said, you know what? No, I, I did. And I don't, I didn't hear many say this as early as I did, but now everyone's saying it now. Exactly. And so I think this is really strong. I'm not saying they're copying me. I'm just saying it became obvious. But this is really strong stuff to summarize. You're like, Tiger. You know, he hasn't played at all. He's going to have trouble when he has to start playing back-to-back-to-back rounds. We want to fade him later on in tournaments. So here's the numbers. So in the Masters, he shoots 71, 74, 78. I see a trend. 78. Okay, okay. PGA, 74, 70. Here was a real big opportunity when he actually got it, an aberration of a round, then 79 in the third round. Barely. I, Did he withdraw? At, yes. Excuse me. In the middle of a round, or eighteen after the, minutes after he finished after the round three, yeah. it did not take long. He went to the bathroom and then he withdrew right after round three. I wonder what would have had to happen in the bathroom for him not to withdraw. <laughs> <laughs> it's like didn't work, boys. We got you know. Whoa. Um, I think okay. So the way I approached this at the Masters initially and before it was more prevalent was bet him yes to make the cut. Then no to be, um, what was it, not in the top 20? I think it was. And we had to lay, you know, a decent number. But, you know, it obviously went both, you know, we won both sides of that. Um, How would you approach this? You know, I would just pray for him to do well the first round. All right, so no bet pre-flop. I'm going to wait for him to play in the first round. And then once he finishes the first round, if he's terrible in the first round, I think you got to just let it go. But if he exceeds expectations that first round, bang, bet against him the second round. Why does he need to exceed expectations? Let's say he does a 74. It's a good point. If he, As long as he does not massively underachieve. So if he meets or, or exceeds expectations. Because you think underachieving would then affect the line? In the yes. Next? I don't think so. I 
I think the one thing now that we look at the PGA you have to worry about is Tiger is a man that, that has little victory. He doesn't like to lose when, when, when there's a tangible goal. After he had the bad first round, he had to make the cut to feel right. okay about it. Once he made the cut, then it didn't, you know, he wasn't going to win, so it was fine. I kind of feel like you almost agree with you initially. You want him to do well because it does two things. One, it will probably affect the, the odds in the next round. But number two, he's not going to be fixated on performing well because he has to bounce back. He feels mm. like he's a bounce back guy, mm. right? Because how can you explain such a bad first round and shooting such a good second it's, round? It's, it's just amazing that he was able to do that. But what was interesting is so in his second round at the PGA, they had an over-under on Tiger, all right? And his over-under, I believe, was 74. Mm -hmm. He shot a 70. Massively exceeded expectations. Mm -hmm. Then in the third round, and by all accounts, the course was getting set up harder in the third round. Okay, the, the this pin was pin placements. Though. The pin placements, the water around the green, so the pins, so the, the greens were faster, and the pin placements were harder day three because a lot of guys had 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 gone low nine under eight under. It was embarrassing the PGA, so it was going to be harder. And his round three over under circuit put this up. Some other books seventy two. They opened up, so they went from seventy four. To 72, despite him having to play the third day, and despite it being much harder course conditions, that was really an outstanding value. What was the over-under the first day? The first day, let me think about this. You don't remember? I believe, I don't recall. I don't want to, I, I, I think it was, I don't want to say. So, so here's what I would say. I think the real takeaway here, and we'll move on, and if Scott has any thoughts, is we want to fade Tiger, we don't want to play him, and we think there's advantages. In fact, we feel strongly there's advantages fading him later when fatigue compounds. Is that a fair way to say? Yes. Okay. So, like, when I was doing a hedge where I had one bet one way, one the other, that, got, that was fancy. That was the Masters. I'm not sure it was the best way to go about it. I just think you cherry-pick places to go against him. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. and, and the cleanest— like the Yankees. Let's say the Yankees before—I I can remember this, but before they won all those World Series in the 90s, they were still— a big value, or not a value, the opposite. They were a high-priced team in the betting market, and I just looked to have spots to fade the Yankees. Fade, like, uh, I mean, it was more so the Jet, the Giants. You know, those New York teams got a lot of ag. Oh, fade Notre Dame. Like, this is all kind the of— same like, thing you can say now, like the Dallas Cowboys, Michigan. I'm not sure if it's still—I'm not sure. But Tiger's the ultimate yeah, yeah. public Tiger's golfer. Yeah, Tiger's all name at this point. Completely. And, and well, he's not all name, but you know what I'm saying. You know what, and what's interesting, I don't even know— who would be number two? You know, John Rahm. I mean, I think for sure it'd be uh, you know, it, it'd be Mickelson. Uh, well, Mickelson's a wall now. Yeah, he's yeah. not a wall. He's been told asked. He's not been to asked to, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting because this is supposedly tied up with all his gambling debts. The reason he was involved with the Saudis at all is what everyone's speculating. Well, you have no comment on that? <laughs> I just uh, I I want to see Mickelson and John Daly in like a poker match and a golf tournament, to, you know, matched up against each other. I'd pay to see. You it. know, John Daly called me one time. Really? Yeah, this was like I had the office at the at the place before this place, so it wasn't that long ago, six seven years ago. Just out of nowhere, he someone goes, "Hey, John Daly's on the phone for you." <laughs> And I go, the golfer? I, go, <laughs> I pick up the phone, and, like, it was his voice. Now, I, I don't know, mm -hmm. you know, but he was going, hey, uh, RJ, I you know, saw you, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, um, he goes, I was wondering, can you get me down in, in sports, for sports? <laughs> so, like, you, you know, the guy, he's got a, you know, I'm guessing, 
And first of all, we don't know if this was really him. Mm -hmm. I think it was. I would bet that it was. And it felt like a situation where someone's got a big name and you think, oh, yeah, I'll book it. But we know how that goes, right? Oftentimes those guys are losing. He might be fronting for Billy now that he's got that reputation. That's interesting. I don't know. Did he have it back then? See, I got the sense he was looking to, to... if it was him, looking to use his name to get me to, like, get some accounts for him and then, you know, me settle up with him and then one day he just says, I I can't settle up. I mean, that that felt like the future to me. Not that he was going to try to lose, but if he lost, it was a free roll. Um, But what was fascinating about it was he kept saying, yeah, Doyle and I, and he kept dropping Doyle's name. So it was like, it was a very studied, like he was doing something very specific. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, I don't, you know, I, I don't really do that kind of thing. And, you know, and I just kind of begged right. off. We only talked maybe like seven, eight minutes, but it was interesting. It was kind of surreal. What do you got on any of this? Anything? No, I think the, the, I mean, the play that I talked about all last week leading up to the PGA was Tiger to make the cut. No, and that was why because you it's the same theory is that uh, expect him to play well early and then fatigue sets in, in the later rounds and that's when he falls completely off like he fell off at the masters and you would expect tiger to you know perform well especially I actually liked the group that he was playing with because I thought he'd get motivation by playing with those guys that you know was it with, with my, Rory Rory and um Spieth. And Spieth, that he'd get a little bit of uh, competitive mm-hmm. spirit in him that would force him to play a little bit better in the first two rounds. And you had, look, Circle was posting like a minus 120 on him to make the cut. It was a reasonable bet. And then, you know, cash it. You got lucky to cash it and move on. Don't there was a line, I have to ask you guys, round two. So John Daly did very well first round, shot close to par. Tiger versus Daly, one round to 18 holes. Guess what Tiger Tiger was a favorite. Guess what he was favored against Daly in that matchup. I thought I Day heard two. I thought I heard that it went sky high. Like it went to like maybe minus five dollars or something. Yes, I saw minus four twenty five. Mm-hmm. And so that showed that shows to me how bad a golfer John Daly has become to um, But I tell you, when he was it the PGA he won? Yeah. He won so clean that like one his caddy like motioned with the flag. At one point, and they took two strokes from him. I mean, they were trying everything, it seemed like, for him not to win, but he still won that. And and what's even more amazing is then he followed it up with another major, and he won the British Open, too. People forget that. I hear he might be looking for some outs, Faz. You want him to call you up? You know... Uh, Jeez, I, you're nervous already. A, a, guy, a guy that in one round drinks six Diet Cokes and eats 12 bags of peanut M&Ms and doesn't consume any water. That's my guy. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't need to do business with a guy like that. You're, you're, well, I mean, he might get a nice number and then kill over. And 20 cigarettes. <laughs> I mean, isn't that what, um, what's that dude, the big muscly guy that you like? Um, um, not Kepka, but um, DeChambeau. Uh, yeah, yeah, DeChambeau. DeChambeau. Yes. Doesn't he do that kind of regimen? Yeah, DeChambeau has fallen um, off the leaderboards and the money winner list. What do you think was going on with I him? I think he, I think he pulled a peck and a glute from too much weightlifting. He competed in the long no drive in the in the in, no in the long driving championship in Mesquite, and since then, I think he injured himself trying to hit the golf ball. Next stop. Vegas, please. <laughs> Next topic. By the way, one last thing on Scott's point. Do you think – now, I agree with Scott. If you got to bet Tiger somewhere, you bet him early. I still think I'm not 
pro-betting him. What do you think, Fez? I, I, to me, it's that's the time maybe not to fade him, but it's not the time to bet him. I'm neutral. I agree. Yeah. 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 I, I, no, I'm, again, it won. And maybe, you know, you could make the case it went about as bad as it could for you, meaning that first round mm-hmm. was so bad. If he still comes back from that... And they made another point. He might be sharp here, or maybe it was an accident. There's a lot of people in his PGA that don't have a chance to be competitive. So when the cut is half the field, it's actually a much easier cut to make than, let's say, the mass. Yeah, because and, and they take the top 70. It's like Tin Cup would have been in this one. Like Costner. Oh, right. well, he never won. No, it was the, uh, what was that, the U.S. Open, right? The PGA, they said they had a bunch of amateurs in. Like, there's a lot of people in it that aren't the best golfers. Well, yeah. But I guess Tin Cup would have went to the U.S. Open. Correct. You know what I'm talking about, the movie, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, amateurs can't qualify for that. But the theory is the amateurs aren't as good as Tiger Woods. Of course. Yeah. So was that part of your thinking? No, part of my thinking was that Tiger was going to shoot shoot a decent enough score to make the cut. (laughs) All right. So what did you think of that guy's uh, – that guy was, what, 200 to 1? It was at the final uh, tee? All he needed was a par? Yeah, 200 to 300 to 1. He needs a par to win, a bogey to make the playoff uh, into, into the water, deep into the water. Just think, how lo- just think how long you'd be complaining about that if you had that. You know, and I'll always remember his name, Pereira, because Mike Pereira is the USFL <laughs> head officiating guy, and he's absolutely terrible. So I'm like <laughs> – So how's your USFL going? Uh where did it go last week? All in one. Four and ten. Are you going to take my advice? I mean, I gave out one play. Yeah, a loser. You're my never... team, the team I bet on, I, I don't know. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, I, I give me, yes, let me give you one stat. They ran 23 offensive plays in the fourth quarter. They gained just under 100 yards. Their opponent gained zero yards and ran zero points. Still lost. Vegas, please. Fumble six. We didn't hear that fast. Next topic. Let's go with um, NBA. No, no, no. Let's, let's go NFL. Okay. Let's lead with the lead. And you had an intro. Let's start with how the over-unders on the season are drifting upwards where, where for the open they were nice and symmetrical. Well, I don't like symmetrical necessarily, but they were symmetrical. But now the betters are betting overs. Yeah. So what happened is that I always make fun of the bookmakers. I say, ah, they're not that sharp. They shade these numbers too high. So 17-game schedule. But hold on a second. If if a majority of the public or the majority of the liquidity, if they're betting overs, isn't it sharp to have it shaded? It is. It, right. it anticipates action. So it actually is sharp. So I apologize to the bookmakers. But they usually deal the average a little bit above 500. They project a slightly better than 500 overall record for NFL teams. They didn't do that this year. So just to be clear, the way that happens is 17 games. So if everyone was 500, in theory, they'd win eight and a half games, which can't happen. Half would win eight, half would win nine, some variation of that. Okay. But if you add up all the totals, it should average to eight and a half minus 110 on the over, minus 110 on the under. Would That's what it did average at open, correct? That's right. And what was the average? what's the average now? 8.59. So... Five nine, so eight point six. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So basically, it, now that sounds trivial. It's gone up, you know, one tenth of a win. It's half the vig. It's all the vig. Because okay, one tenth of a win because the win's a hundred cents. Yes. So one tenth of a win is ten cents. So what that's saying is that if you went and bet every single team mm-hmm. under right now, theoretically, you should break even. 
Because you're saving 10 cents both ways, so it takes care of the 20 cents channel? Yes. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Scott, you can jump in here. If we bet every team to win the Super Bowl, and we started right now, and the two ways, and we had to bet them before the season started. So from now, or let's say week four. We have to bet. Ooh, we have to by, October 1st. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because I think one thing we could do, if we didn't get a number we liked, we could look at the early schedule and project, hey, this team's going to lose two or three and maybe take a flyer there. Mm -hmm. But we'd be forced to bet it at a certain point. What's the odds you think that we could come out positive? You know, the theory is we would shop hard whenever, whatever point in time we were shopping, but also we would have all the point in time variation that we could bet now. We could bet, like the Eagles, for example, you would have wanted to bet last yeah, week. Yeah. Miami, bet later, it doesn't really matter. Exactly. You, you recalling these teams? Miami, Philly? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Miami funny. and Philly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so last week, I, um, well, we have an ongoing bet. I have Miami to win more games. RJ and Scott and McKenzie and I think AJ and I think I think everyone has the Eagles to have more wins. And I just missed, and this was embarrassing. I've done extra work updating all my numbers after that. The Eagles had taken significant money already. And I even bet Scott, oh, the Eagles are never going to move to nine and a half as a season win number. I'll bet you 300. Hmm. And Scott goes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I win and shows me the book that the Eagles were at 9.55 already. And it's still there. Well, I mean, of course anywhere. it's still there. <laughs> I would say this week has had more pro eagles talk than any week i've heard yeah it's yeah. kind of you know it's happening um so you're you, saying if we if we bet every team to win the super bowl yeah what are the odds that we come out with profit I, well i guess portfolio we could, we could yeah. theoretically have i mean in theory we could theoretically have a, a positive EV, we, we right? could like bet them all to win 500 you know it would be the way to kind of like have equal yeah, exposure yeah. across the that's board. an interesting point because we would want it where we would guarantee to in theory we could guarantee ourselves a profit right you know, I think in theory, yes. I think in practice, I think we'd cut the VIG down to under 10%. I don't know if it would be 8% or 3%. I don't think we'd get to a positive. What do you think, huh? I, I think you're, you're, you, you're eliminating the top teams. Like, if I think you need almost, you'd almost have to cancel out at least six teams. Why? Because I think that because you're not. Let's say if you're betting all every thirty-two te all thirty-two mm -hmm. teams, right? And and if the top odds are you know fifteen to one or less, mm -hmm. then what's the payout going to be like? Let's say all right. So let's say you put thirty-two hundred dollars down. But, but he, you he made an interesting. Back. He made an interesting point. If we're betting to win a certain amount, uh -huh. all right. So if a team is is five to one right now, and let's say we're betting to win five hundred, then we would we would bet a hundred to win five hundred, right? Yes. Is if right, a team so if was a hundred to one, yeah, five dollars or whatever. Yeah, yes. ten, okay. So the theory is, see, here's why I think you're wrong, Faz. I think at any given moment. So let's say you take one book and say, what's the whole percentage there on the Super Bowl pool? Let's call it thirty-five. Thirty-five percent. I think Circa's only like low twenties. Okay. You know? So, but Circa's not the. So but they're the best. Let's say twenty-five then. Okay, or let's say thirty. Okay. Yeah. I, I think if you just shop now, you said I got 10 or 12 books, I'm going to take the best number on every team. I think you can 15. get down below 10. Yeah, I think you get below 10 at that point. I don't think I don't think I mean, so. Boy, you look at some of the payoffs. That's interesting, Mackenzie. 
So how many this week we, we do our NFL weekly. We have what five outs? Seven. No. Seven. So if you they're loaded up in Excel, right? You could just do a max by you could do a max by row and and, and know what the highest number was, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, do that and let's see what the number and then we can I have an Excel sheet that, that figures the you know VIG. We'll have to do it for next week. But I wonder right now. You can plug it into Wizard of Oz. Oh, they, they uh, Wizard of that? Oz has the same thing where if you plug okay. in. Yeah. You'd have to do 32 hand yeah, entries. right. Okay. So, Mackenzie, see if you can get the max and maybe do the hand entry like, during the show. Or maybe, I don't know, if Sleepy's standing by, maybe send it to him. But I'm interested. I bet we get below 15% right now. I bet we. I think I think fifteen is a good over under. All right, so let's say we get to thirteen percent. Now the question is, can timing get us there? Because all I think I think we'd be have a much better chance if we would have started this exercise a month ago. I think we'd want to start next Super Bowl the day after. Yes, because because like you said, now we boy we're missing out on bargains on on teams you know like like the Eagles, like the Saints that have really Mm -hmm. steamed. Now here's a question: If we went back a year. Or went back to this Super Bowl right after, so the new lines come out, new futures. And then we go all the way up to, let's say, October 1. But we had the benefit of hindsight. So, like, on October 1, we sit back and say, I'm going to take the best number. I think we're well into positive EV. Might be like 30%. Yeah. yeah so, so, not, so it really comes down to your ability to predict which direction these teams are moving. Well, and who's going to win in September. The, the, those, no, no, because uh, if oh, we're betting all for the same. Oh, win in September. Yeah, but chance. Oh, I think it'd be a, a better exercise would be, say, game week one. one yeah. yeah. What do you think we do there? Oh, I still think we're way into the black. I think yeah. like plus 10%. But don't you think that come – February 1 or February 15th, you have a pretty good idea what teams are going to get back and what teams aren't? Well, part – yes, but there's – Because all the regression stuff, no one it, seems to pick up is on Seattle it. Until, gonna, is Seattle going to get a quarterback, though? Like, bang, you know, if they if they suddenly, you know, get Jimmy G, you know, their odds are obviously go from zero to tangible. But in a weird way, do you think the market right now is – is if they didn't get a quarterback, do you think their lines get worse? Do you think there's an assumption of the chance of the quarterback in the current number? I believe so, yes. What's the current number in Seattle? Seattle is 130 to 1. How I mean, what's it going to if they don't get a quarterback? Because I don't think, I mean. Well, it, the, should, it should go to 250. Well, well, we got to go on. to what's 150. The, what's the, like, what does, um, who's the worst team this year project? Houston. Texans, 250. Okay. So you think Seattle's as bad as the Texans, Steve? No. Yeah, so it feels like, yeah. By the way, McKenzie's got the best numbers, so I'll I'll just run these down real quick. Uh, Bucks 8 to 1, Bills 7 to 1, Rams 12 to 1. Wow, Chiefs 12 to 1. Look at the parody. Packers 12 to 1, Chargers 18 to 1, 49ers 20. Huh? Broncos 20. Cowboys 22, Bengals 22, Browns 25. Boy, I heard something today from um, Goodell. It looks like he's going to get suspended this year. Six games? I don't know. I got Start of the year. It's going to be last. Start of the year, right? That's what it seems like. Yeah. I, I've heard I heard oppo things for a while, but it mm. seems like that's the direction that they're heading. You know, i got to tell you, some of these Browns early lines really don't make a lot of sense to me that they're um, – I did, mean, Jacoby Brissett. Didn't, didn't they give them like the easiest beginning schedule we've ever seen? Yeah, they get to play. They get to play Atlanta at Atlanta, at Carolina, 
they get to play the Jets mm-hmm. and Pittsburgh. All right, so Pittsburgh's below average, consider the market. The other teams are what, bottom six or seven? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, the four of their easiest games. Kenzie's killing this can't thing. Be, Look can't at be him. an accident. He's on Team 28 already. He's killing it. All right. Let's see if McKenzie can do this. 30. Oh, no, watch you. Oh, he's making mistakes now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, when he knew we were watching. Yeah. Okay. So we got McKenzie did a good job here. He got those numbers real quick. And Fez, it's two. The whole percentage, seven books, best number is only less than 3%. That is just shocking to me. I estimated 15%. And it just goes to show how valuable it is to get. We always talk about, you know, get as many different outs, outs as yeah. possible. And this is only seven outs. Yeah. You yeah. can have 20. I, I think in theory, even if you went to 12, you're, you're positive EV now. I think so. You're yeah. so close. Yeah. And imagine if we started right after the Super Bowl. That's what we'll do next year. Mm. Right the day after the Super Bowl, we start our portfolio. And by the start of the season, and we'll say October 1, because we, we might want to take a flyer on a team, we might get positive EV and, 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 and be willing to like press our advantage, have three teams left. Yeah, and, and like like we said, the, you know, the draft, the favorable draft news has moved some teams. So okay, we're getting a good segue. So um, you agree with me, though, next – Starting after the Super Bowl, but I think we should go to. Win. I mean, if we're going to be positive EV, the time value of money is not that high, right? I, I, maybe we get it's someone going to, up with inflation. Yeah, well, <laughs> is it? <laughs> it's not not with the stock market results. No, that's an interesting point. If inflation happens, your your money is worth less than if. I guess I'm always thinking. What and your stock you and your stock goes and your bonds go down. And your stocks go down. Seems like a triple whammy to me. You, you know, you know, every it's so funny with all the people that have known nothing but uh, bull markets. Mm. They're like, "Hey, wait, this thing goes down. What's going on here?" I think Mackenzie. He had a. Few, I don't want to like. I don't. I don't want to like any way diminish or or, or marginalize like um, people who you know commit suicide, but. I was a little, I mean, McKenzie, I was a little afraid. The market kept going down. He, his face kept dropping at one but point. But he's got dollar cost averaging. He's so young. That's good. I don't think so. Mm. I, think he, I think that he was like, you know what he's like? He's like a gambler that calls like Billy Macaron or something on, and, and gets that 15 star on Monday Night Football for free. And if it doesn't win, you get the next 10 years. Well, Billy's had a solid Monday Night record. <laughs> well, he's 59 and 2. <laughs> Is that about right, McKenzie? Uh, yeah, I've never experienced a bear market, so I. Had but to, what I'm saying is, yeah. how savvy? Like when you were telling me your approach to the market, mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. was my response? Uh, nobody beats the S&P 500. There's millions and billions of dollars of experts spending all their time trying to beat it. Just because you read a newsletter doesn't mean that you think you're going to get five percent over S&P the next fifteen. That's years. not true. Crypto looks really poised to like. Oh. Oh wait. Never mind. Yeah. But l- lower prices. I agree with Fez. I'm gonna be a buyer the next 30 years. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I'll just keep keep plugging away. But if if you're if you're homeless, how do you keep buying stocks? <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, like there was two days, Scott, that he honestly, like, I was like yelling at him for something, and he talked back. 
And I almost went crazy. And I go, what's wrong with you? He goes, the stock market's going down so much. <laughs> <laughs> it was like he, he had a conniption fit. I, and I was like, really? He goes, I had enough where I could go to Aruba and live if I had to. It was my fallback plan, and now I don't. Hmm. <laughs> that GameStop stock, man. Is that is that a fair representation? It was Thailand, but yeah. yeah. It was Thai. Oh, with the... With the um, hmm. $5 for a hotel room? It's amazing. But, yeah, it's still pricey for me now. You ever think of the people you know that want to go to Thailand? There's a, there's a certain kind of thread that runs through that type. Yeah, old, older guys that aren't having much success with women in the States. <laughs> Am I right? And they, they go to a lot of, like, teen beauty pageants. Mm, like, I, like Little Miss Sunshine. I've never been there, so I couldn't comment. <laughs> Did you ever see Little Miss Sunshine? Uh, I don't think so. It was great. Was that uh, Steve Carell? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. The little had, kid was yeah, yeah, like yeah. wanting to be a... I love Steve Carell. It was yeah. great. Alan Arkin, the old man, was there. Mm. He was doing drugs. He's like, Dad, it's, he's like 70. He's like, you're, it's stupid. Are you doing drugs at your age? He goes, this is the age to do them. When you're a kid, it doesn't mean... All right. So we're going to do that. That should be fun. But I'm thinking we... Well, we'll see what inflation is happening or whatever. But, I mean, I think we should go for like... I don't know. At least a thousand a team. To win a thousand. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, to win a thousand. Because the most we'll have to invest is two hundred per team. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe Five more. I, I I mean to me if it's I mean if it's it's free money. Yeah, it's peanuts. I don't know. It's peanuts like... compared to Goy's Games Let's of the call Year. Games of the games Year. Games of the Year. It's pre-production. RJ's like, Fez, <laughs> I don't want to hear Goy. You got it? I'm like, yes, RJ, I will not say G-O-Y. I'll say Game of the Year. No worries, my man. No worries. The, the Jews know that you're, that you're a friend. He is a Goy. You're a, fr- <laughs> you're a friend of Israel, right? I'm, I'm very anti-war. You're, you're calling him Zionist? <laughs> I... I like the Zion National. I like the he's Zion clapped. National Park. Yes. Did you, did you like that so much? It's just he's trying so hard not to say anything wrong. <laughs> and he just don't care. <laughs> All right. It's funny the Thailand thing was fine though. <laughs> no, that was funny too, but it wasn't directed at you. Okay, moving on. Um, you were talking about. Something related to the NFL. What was it? Yeah. So the post-draft impact on teams. So this is fascinating because I've always been an advocate that the draft don't matter. RJ, you've spoken. No, 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 no. You always cared about the draft, so I forbade it. Yes, because (laughs) you you brought up the point, hey, the day before the draft and the day after the draft, what has changed? One, all the teams are really happy with their selections. They all come out of the draft super excited. They had their perfect selection. Given who was there at the time, they took exactly who they They got their guy and guys. And I, I still remember when Ditka traded his entire team to get well, the one running back, yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. Came out of it smoking a cigar. Couldn't have been happier. Well, why would he make the trade if he didn't think it was there a There you one? go. Exactly. And I also know that the markets don't react at all to the draft. So the day after the draft concludes, you look at the season win numbers, they're the same as what they were before the draft started. So, I mean— Already baked into those numbers were the fact that's that that's been the case historically. Yes, and 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 baked into that is the fact. Well, the Giants and the Jets have a lot of draft picks. Okay, that that is a factor. No, no, that is significant. And I think that needs to be discussed for a second. Just like in the schedule, when you know who the teams are going to play, if you're saying, "Man, they're playing some tough teams," when the schedule comes out, you've made a mistake. That should already have been in your calculation. Having an amount of equity, draft equity, is known. 
Right. right. Now, there's some trades that can happen, and you can do a good trade. Or, but in general, the Jets, whoever had the most equity, that's got to be built in any beforehand, right? There's some combination of cap space and draft equity that can tell you what the influx of players will be for your team. Especially if you know the positions of need. For the team. Yes. I don't know if it matters. Well, if the team needs a quarterback and they have well, draft commodities, then you know it's going to be I agree with the quarterback <laughs> that that's – you know, the quarterback I, is is the one really significant factor. So don't you? And it took you years to come around on that. It it it, it did. You know, and this, you, the Steelers are the perfect example. Are the Steelers better off because they drafted a quarterback? I think they are. Because even if he's a thirty percent chance of being, yeah, it's like there's a thirty because if he's no good, he won't play. Yeah, or yeah, I mean, or, or if he plays, it means he's the best. Yeah, that's, right. It's the best option. Tomlin's going to play him to give him the team the best chance to win. Yeah, especially with, his streak, do. especially with his streak of uh, non-losing seasons. He doesn't want to lose that, no yes. pun intended. All right, so what we're saying is a quarterback, if you have a dearth of quarterbacks, meaning if you don't have any quarterbacks, like Pittsburgh really doesn't, you need a quarterback. It's a free roll in a way because if you lose a first-rounder, he sucks. Hey, you had a second quarterback anyway. Yeah, it hurts you in years to come because you don't have that pick, but uh, – doesn't matter as much as if you get a quarter. I mean, look at San or the Chargers, right? How different is their organization off of drafting? That's a, a great, ex- great example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and he, he was six. I mean, let's look at all the. I mean, look at Justin Fields. He got passed up at six. He could have got picked there instead of eleven or whatever. So uh, the Chargers took a chance, you know, and 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 look, it's paid off. Two so two went before, and, and I'm not sure Tua wasn't a good. Here's the thing I don't get about Tua. Changing the subject for a second. There was tank for Tua. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was he had like a hip injury that was the worst thing anyone's ever seen. And he still got drafted fifth. He would have went probably one. Him and Burrow would have went one and two at minimum if he wasn't hurt. I think Tua would have gone one. I see there's debate on that. But, yeah. but okay. Here's the one, qu- two for certain. Here's the question. His arm didn't weaken from that injury. Yeah, that's a really good like, point. Like, what the hell mm-hmm. were people looking yeah. at? Yeah. The scouts would say he was, like, so good, a generational talent. Mm-hmm. Just the team that he played for and the job that he did in the national championship game. That's, a good that's point. not how scouts think about it. Think of, like, Danny Warfel and all those guys that won national championships that didn't get drafted, like, the sixth round. I think it was the way he won the national championship, throwing the deep ball so accurately. It wasn't just Dinkin' Duncan with his legs. Although the the argument could have been made, you know, look at the wide receiving core he was thrown yeah, to. No doubt. All right. So we agree that if you take a quarterback, you don't have one. That's something we give you a little bonus for. We also agree that every draft choice is a lottery ticket. It might be a scratch off ticket if it's in the first round. It might be a real lottery ticket in the sixth or seventh round. But the fact of the matter is more tickets you have, the better chance you're going to get players that are good. If you have no picks, there's no chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least without, you know, undrafted free agents. So draft equity matters, but we don't, it, our theory is not to critique the picks themselves. Exactly right. So more important to just to have the picks, but there are people critiquing the picks. And the week after the draft, you know, I, I was unscientific. I, I got to admit about this. It's like, who won the draft? Who got the most A's and A pluses? And I came up with Let four Let me guess, teams. the Ravens. The Ravens are on the list. Mm-hmm. Every freaking year. Hmm. Philly, the Jets, and the Saints. Now, is this predictive? Is this correct? Whoa, whoa, the Saints, the Saints did not 
get a high draft grade. Where, where are you looking? I, I, I was looking at the fact that the Saints were – that's a good point. The Saints didn't get a high draft grade, but the Saints got a endorsement of the Saints are going for it from the draft okay, because they traded up. That is a different thing. So maybe we should take them off the list. And that's something that, – It's a good point. That's something the market should move on. Yes. They're giving us a cue of how good they think they are, how close they think they are. You know, I agree with you. I'm going to take the Saints off the list. So I've got, right. I got – so those three teams that we just discussed. So what's been interesting is did they move all at once? No, they didn't move at all the day after the draft. But every day, incrementally, by a few pennies on their season wins. I like to measure things on season wins because it's the most measurable. The Jets. You also like to measure things by pennies. Yeah, the Jets, <laughs> Baltimore, and Philly. And, you know, Philly hasn't been moving by pennies. Everyone but me, apparently, was aware <laughs> that Philly was moving by dollars because they've gone from 8.5 to 9.5 mm-hmm. in many places. Now a full game that they've moved up. What's Miami in? Miami stayed right at eight and a half. Hasn't moved. So we bet even money and we're a game up? Yes. Oh, I love it. We're 100 cents up. Good. <laughs> uh, Baltimore has moved from nine and a half up to 10, so a full half game upwards. And the Jets from 5.6 to just under six. So um, The Jets are the craziest one because a lot of serious people think the Jets didn't have a good draft. It looks good because they had so many assets, mm-hmm. but they don't think they necessarily use those assets all that sharply. Well, they think the top four picks is— No, they don't. But, really? I mean, listen, I'm not saying no one does. I'm not saying mm-hmm. the general grade. First of all, the methodology of these grades, they don't— Like like uh, Philly, do, the, do you count A.J. Brown or not? Some graders do, some graders yeah. don't. Yeah. And to me, anyone that's not accounting for the amount of draft capital coming in— as a as a normalizing thing, then it, your grade doesn't mean anything. Because obviously, like if a team doesn't like the Rams didn't have many picks, do they get an automatic D, or, or is it what they do with those picks? Well, it, it should be. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a great question. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you should dock the Rams for giving away all their their draft picks already and give them a bad grade or not. And what do we do with Trey Lance? Do we dock the 49ers again? <laughs> yeah. Because they don't have Just give a them enough every, every yeah, yeah until that's it's almost like the um it's almost like that uh, Darko remember Darko Milovich yeah, Darko yeah. it's yeah. almost like second that Darko yeah. Darko went third didn't he yeah he did but he went second was oh second? did he go second he did go second yeah. oh wow who went third Carmelo Anthony mm-hmm. yeah he's a pretty good player I thought <laughs> I was gonna say Trey Lance went third <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how are you feeling on that um, McKenzie Trey Lance completed 17 of 20 passes and seven on seven today I couldn't be more happy you still think Darko's gonna make the all-star team right hey he's an NBA champion sir so <sighs> and that was after that was the Vince Carter dunk right it was over Darko right McKenzie in the Olympics, where he jumped yeah. over him? I think so, yeah. yeah. So, so I'm wondering what is going on here that seemingly every day all these teams keep going you up. The, you, you got the answer you want it? I got the answer. Go ahead. But no, if you got the answer, you tell me. I think it's – I want to hear yours first, Al Counterpunch, because my point's going to be a little subtle, and it's going to have some variation of a lot of the people who are talking about these teams – aren't saying the draft is why they're excited about the team, but it kind of, you hear all this talk, oh, Baltimore got an A, got ball, and then it makes you kind of higher on Baltimore. So you dig into some numbers and you say, oh, look at the games lost last year, and Lamar's going to contract, and it all kind of just like merges into a general story, hum, yeah. a hum that's pushing teams in a certain direction. Yes, I'm, I'm similar, mm-hmm. all right? 
I believe a lot of the pro bettors, and remember, the only people betting now are pros. You okay. know, the public isn't betting yet. A lot of the pros are busy. We're betting the NBA. We're betting the USFL. We haven't had time to do all our NFL work. And so what's happening is as more and more of the pros, uh, uh, you know, let, let me get to these NFL season wins. It's only May, you know. It's still early. Right. And they're doing their work. Then like, boom, I like what Philly's doing. I like what Baltimore's doing. I'm going to bet it. And they're getting to it a little bit late. And that's why you're seeing these trickle line moves instead of whammo it happening all at once. I think the draft is a big driver of it. I think the, what's happened. I think the draft grades are a big part of their research, but they didn't do their research until. No, I understand. This I understand week. that yeah. part, but I'm saying. Yes. But we're saying it's flawed right away. So right away, we want to tend to look to fade. I mean, hold on a second. AJ, here's the reason we don't trust the draft choice because no one knows how good these players are. We don't. But we know how good AJ Brown is. Yes. So I think that on, that we can't question Philadelphia's upgrade. That's a good point. I agree with that. Right? It's the uncertainty of the draft choices that drive this. The Jets are much more nebulous in terms of for sure. Is, is this Not to mention, we don't know how good the head coach is, right? Mm. And we certainly don't know how good the quarterback is. But I mean, I, but odds I, are he's better than Trey Lance, but we don't know that. But but I think as far as the fade, there's no hurry. I mean, I think we fade in September. I think this is just going to keep keep. Being the story on these teams, well, at least in well I think into the, the draft summer. starts to fade when camp opens. That's a good point. So yeah. I think once once we get into August, then we might see at at that point we can start evaluating possible buybacks. But until then, I think all these teams just keep taking money. But the Jets are unnaturally low at five and a half, don't you think? Five point nine now. So I mm-hmm. I call them six, and I think but their schedule is really hard. They have a hard schedule because they don't they get, have a hard schedule. They don't get to play themselves. That's a big disadvantage. <laughs> Twice. You're saying it's a disadvantage if you don't get to play with yourself? Yes, because they, they lose their two mm. games in their division against the Jets. <laughs> All right. Um, Makes sense, right? Uh, I, yeah, I just did a little beat with the butthead. Okay, anything else on that? That was it. All right, anything else in the NFL? Um I'd be remiss to say we talk about 8.5 being. So you'd be remiss to say so you're saying it? I'm saying it. No, remiss means I, I should say it. You'd be remiss not to say not, it. Not, yes. Go ahead. Do I get, do I get a negative demerit? <laughs> no, I get a demerit. Uh, we've been talking about the average has to be 8.5 for all it the teams. It doesn't have to be. It should be. No, yes, but it should be 8.45 because ties. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, so. Um, so it's even more on the over. That's right. That we wanted even more that we want to play. Unders more than overs because of the ties count as zero because, wins. But, yeah, but, but what we're saying is the numbers on the uh, if it gets to minus 120 on the over, it's not only that 10 cents is going. It's it's making up the time on, uh, percentage too. Exactly, okay. exactly. And the second point is the AFC this year has to play the nine road games. The NFC um, gets the nine home games. So all things being equal, all these strength of schedule calculations are just based on how good are the 17 teams I'm playing. They're not adjusting for the fact that I have to play one more road game. So all things being equal, I'd much rather play AFC teams to go under than a- than NFC teams. All right, so you're saying the strength of schedule, which is driving some of the market, is calculated without consideration of the home and away disparity on that 17th game. Yes. That's worth, let's call it four points now. So effectively, it's about four points on a season Four divided by 35. Tenth of a. Okay. Tenth of a win. All right. And how do you factor in, like, the Jaguars and Broncos play 
the international game. The Jaguars are the most screwed AFC team because they only get seven home games. Yeah. So they got they have ten road games. They're the only AFC team that has a home game that they lose. But they got Trevor Lawrence, the savior. Although you you could argue their home field in Jacksonville might be as good as because they're used to the trip as Jacksonville. Well, I think that's, a, except, that's a I hope leap they of play, faith. I hope they play Indianapolis at home. That's what really is the key. We do. Yes. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. You know that stat had 2012 was the last yes. time. They, I mean, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Um, remember last year we were going to do this and we didn't. If you have a home or away game, like where your lines, like what games you get home and away can dictate how where that five points is adjusted. And like we figured last year, and you really like this, Fez, when I came up with it, is let's say it's around pick them. That's going to change the percentage. You win- want to be the home team in the pick em type game. You're going you're gonna to gain the most win percentage p- percent on that five points. Yes. If, if it's a game that goes from 10 to 15. Gonna, we would have lost it anyways. Yeah. Not only that, but the percentage, those five points are worth less. Yeah, as, a, per- as a percentage, yeah, you're yeah. going to pick up. So effectively, you're not getting points. You're getting percentage chance to win. So if you add it up, everyone's percentage chance to win based upon the movement of their home and road games, five points each way, you can tell who got lucky or unlucky and where in the spectrum of the spreads the home games moved and the away games moved. And that could be very meaningful. Yeah, I agree with that. Does that make sense to you? I lost you. All right, so let's say – just using you as a standard yeah. for the audience. Let's say um, the most extreme – five points is home flip. Uh-huh. And that might be a – let's call it four points. People are really moving lower. Let's call I agree, it, four. four. Let's go four. Okay, so if – Fez, if you went from being minus two to plus two, so let's say you went from home to road, that is – what would you say percentage-wise? 56 to 44. Okay. So Do you that's, agree? That's going to be a 12%, 12% change. Yeah. Now, if we went from uh, – let, let's not go crazy – from 10 to 14 – when you went home, let's say, or 14 to 10 when you went on the road, what percentage change you got? 20% and 15%. Okay, so it's a 5% difference. Yeah. So it's a 12% difference or 5% difference. Yeah, and those are just off the top of my head. So it's the right ballpark. It so might be off a little. In, in each case, you gain five points in theory for having home. Four points. Four points. Four points. But the four points around pick them. Are more value than, um, than the four that points. Makes, that that intuitively makes, makes yeah. a yes. lot of sense. It, like, like, yes. and, and even like the wrong way to do this, but like you're kind of going through and saying, that's a win, that's a loss, that's a that's win. A, I, don't I, I know it's completely almost. wrong to do it that mm-hmm. way. But literally being, being home against a comparable team becomes a much more winnable game. But what I'm saying is, is you, if, if, if your percentage chance to win is, is in this case, there's seven points a difference, right? We're saying 12 versus five. And seven points is, uh, let's think about this. So you were saying 12. So it's about, um, it's like two and a half, two, two and a half points, right? Yeah. So like literally it's like where that is in the spread is like getting two or two and a half points. That's not small. No. So to, and if you're a bad team, you want to get your home games against bad teams. That's where you're going to pick up wins. And if you're like Houston did that last year. Yeah. Too, you know? And if you're a good team, you you're going to win against the cupcakes on the road. You want you want to you want to go ahead and host other good teams because that can make the. Difference. I got to be honest. I've never heard anyone discuss that. All you'd have to do is say if this game was neutral for every game of the mm-hmm. year, what would the line be? What's the line now? What's the win percentage at the two lines? And if you have a uniform adjustment for, because in theory the line shouldn't move as much. 
Now, that's an interesting question. Are we sure the line is moving the same four points up at the, at, in that corridor? I think so. I think so, I too. think so. When I, when I do my power ratings, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it really matches. A, you know, Take the difference, add two for home field, and it's pretty pretty spot I, have, on. Have either, but are, there, are there spots where now it's going to be more, like playing in Denver, in Seattle, things like that? Oh, sure. Adjust, yeah, the home, the home yes. field is different for, yes. for some teams, yes. Yeah. Kansas yeah. City, whatever. Yeah. But, what, but wherever, if that change was four points, if it was even five, if it was more extreme, mm-hmm. it still is going to matter where it's at on the number line. Yes. Right? So... I mean, Fez, if someone had, if somehow, some way, a team had three or four games that was to their big advantage where it moved one way and three or four the other, which is going to be extreme and unlikely, that could be, what were we saying, like 6%? Uh, I mean, pick up 0.2 wins. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. I no. mean, correct me if I'm wrong. If we're talking like potentially seven per- winning percentage points, in the extreme case. And if you had, let's say, four games with that, it'd be like picking up 28 win percentage points. Well, if you said the average was picking up 0.1? Is that what we concluded? Mm. We were saying it was either 12% or 5%. So I'm just taking 10. You know, it's like okay. a baseline. So I'm saying, like, like it could be plus or minus, you know, 5% depending on the circumstances, mm-hmm. situations. So that would be, you know, the, the, you know, the difference. So 0.1 for each game. Yeah. So if you had, like, four games like that that were one way or the other, it could be a half a win almost. Yes. That, I mean. Yeah, but, I mean. But it's never really been considered. I mean, have you heard anyone? No one. You're the only one. That's yeah, I mean, no. It's that. just a fresh thought I had last year. I mean, all it would take, Mackenzie, what, would be us getting the lines in a database, which we're doing that anyway, and then converting the line to a money line, converting the money line to a percentage, percentage, and look at the delta on the – then give the hypothetical if this was neutral for all the games – and see what the net adjustment is, which would build in your seven or your nine road games versus eight. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Does that resonate with you, Mackenzie? Yeah, I like it. We could have for all 32 teams, if it was everything was neutral versus the actual reality, what's the biggest delta? I could have that done by tomorrow for you guys. Well, you, have the, you don't even have the whole schedule in the database, do you? Not yet. Okay. All right, give a try for it, but if, if, if it gets harder, don't feel a lot of pressure on it, all right? We'll, we'll figure it out. Cool. All right, um, we are the dream preview. We got Scott Seidenberg and Fezzik, or as Fezzik would say, Fezzik and Scott Seidenberg. <laughs> he gets top billing. Yeah, it's true. He, he tends to. He tends to. So, yeah, Scott has learned to card count. Did you know that? I, I know that. I, I know that some. You know, <laughs> hey, Mr. Pit Boss, you want to hear something? That's, he's, 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 he still has no idea what he's doing on this on the play of the hand. So you're still you still want him. So now that AJ's not here. Do you really think that he would count those cards down and, and get it like, like what's your feel? Like last week you said he would get it more than half the time where he could deal in one minute all the cards. I got to disclose. Whisper, he, he won't be able to hear. He sent me a text. Uh-huh. He says, he says, Fez, I got it. I can do it in 40 seconds now. He's, he's been practicing. It seems like his time could be better spent. Mm. It doesn't take long. It does, like, does not take it's long. It's almost like you're the guy who graduated high school four years ago, hanging out in a white T-shirt and with cigarettes rolled up on your sleeve, mm. like like trying to get the kids on the high school baseball team to smoke. I prefer to think of me as like the MIT guy that's like in the library talking to the MIT students about playing 21. But So you're Kevin Spacey. Yes. The sexual harasser. Mm. <laughs> 
This was pre. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What else in the NFL? Uh, let's talk week 18. Oh, yes. Continue. So we want to play a team that's like m- massively favored. I'm getting a piece of pizza when he's saying this. Go ahead. So we want to, and I have to look these up so this is good no, that no, you get no, the pizza. No, 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 no. Let's keep it rolling. Yeah. So, yeah, on the on the week 18, you want to play a team that's a monster favorite to win their division oh, that okay. has a really high season win number because you might get to, get to play the spare Buccaneers and you might get to play the spare Bills mm-hmm. as an example. So, like, the Falcons are hosting the Buccaneers. And Westgate has their numbers up, and the the Buccaneers are laying six and a half. But the truth is, the Buccaneers could be laying twelve, or or eight, or the Falcons could be laying four. Yeah, yes. that could be that could be a notion. So that's a big advantage to the Falcons. Uh, the Patriots are at the Bills, so obviously a rivalry division game. But the Bills could already have home field locked up, or that game could be for the division title. It could be, yeah. but but the point is, right now the Bills are laying six, and I make the case that um, if they're resting everybody, then the Patriots might be favored in that. Game. Exactly. So that's an advantage, you know, to the Patriots. You know, I'm I'm going through these right now. The Packers are hosting the Lions. Mm-hmm. The Packers could have everything wrapped up. You you want to play these premium teams? You never want to play them. Yeah. But if you have to play them. You want to go ahead and play them week 18. I'm going to include the Texans are at the Colts, and the Colts, it's such a weak division. The Colts could be locked into the, the three seed or the four seed at that point. So that, that's an advantage to the Texans. Uh, looking down, I'm just scanning here for the premium teams. I'm leaving out teams like the, the Cowboys and the Eagles because I just don't think they're a premium enough favorite and to that win the division. division. could really come down to the last week. Exactly. So they're more like, same thing with the AFC North. There's so many good teams. I'm not going to go ahead and include those teams in there. Same with the Chiefs. I'm not going to include the, the Chiefs or the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with so many good teams in the West, the Chiefs are probably going to be playing for something. Uh, the Rams are at the Seahawks. Maybe the Rams will have it all wrapped up. You know, but there's a lot of there's a lot of good. You know, it's a good division, so I don't want to include that one as well. So the the teams I think that clearly have the advantage, Falcons because they host the Bucks, um, the Lions they're at the Packers, and the Texans they're at the Colts. Those would be the three teams that stand out as catching. Yeah, you know, how much is this worth? It's probably worth right now. In terms of, we really want to set two lines and give the probability of, mm-hmm. you know, will the Bucks need the game or like, it's probably worth a tenth of a win for those three teams. So that favors Atlanta, that favors Detroit, and that favors Houston. I like it. What do you think about Detroit to win the division? I don't think about it. <laughs> One playoff win since 1991. They don't need to have a playoff no playoff. Win. No, no playoff wins. They don't need to win a playoff game to win the division. Well, it's not like they've had a lot of trips to the playoffs. Is where. But I'm what going. I'm saying is this: Minnesota's average. Yeah. Bears are forget about it, and all it takes is green is Aaron Rodgers hitting the wall and or him having huge problems with a receiving core that he's mm-hmm. not at all experienced with, mm-hmm. right? And Minnesota's going to win nine games. I can't see Detroit winning ten. I don't like it. It's um, you got a losing organization that no free agent wants to go to. No, no city. The free, free agents don't. We're not don't. saying the next ten years. We know the teams right now. Well, I'm just saying that that's why Detroit has subpar personnel every year. It's from the the the, the, the free agents that currently play for them aren't very good. So I, I think you can find a better long shot than that. Who? Better long shot to win their division. I'll tell you, um, so what's the, the Giants to win the NFC East? Much rather have that than the Lions. What's that, a b- bunch of day ball love? Uh, yeah. 
It is. They should no, admit it. It's, 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 Maybe no, it's a it's, bunch it's, of anti-Joe Judge. It's the... It's it open 12 to 1. It's in it, Monday. The, I'm sorry, May 2nd, it was 12 to 1. Now it's 10 to 1. Yeah. It's, Sharps are on it. It's love for the Giants improving off of last season and... Hate for the well, hate for the NFC East. I mean, keep it. But the problem let's, is, let's there's remember, lo- different, the different pro- teams won the NFC the East every is, year since 2004. Th- I hate that stat. Um, just saying, I, it's it's just it's kind of like 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 an odd number of horses won the Preakness since 2004 or whatever. Right, so you is know. that That's true? Wrong. No, I just made that up. Oh. <laughs> um, but 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 it's like this thing I'm gonna make up right <laughs> yeah, now. But but th- think about it. the the Eagles are getting all this love. I don't yes. want I don't want to be playing into. A team, you know, a long shot. When well, I didn't say it was a best bet, Fez. I'm sure. just saying I'd rather have it than the Lions. I love have one team. <laughs> I, I love where RJ was going, where he basically said, "Hey, there's one good team in the NFC North, and that team, if Rodgers gets hurt or has an issue, now we 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 can surpass that team." I don't like it when I got jumped two two good teams, and I consider the Eagles. What's Rodgers ever done with it? Tell me the last time he had a new receiver that he did well with. Adams didn't do well to what year four. Mm. I mean, it's like this is uncharted territory. First of all, he's at an age where almost everyone starts to really slow down, except for the guy that I said would slow down for twelve. Yeah, but I mean, twelve he, years he's Brady, the exception, yeah. right? Exactly. So I I, mean, we, we've seen it right you now. You know, I'm a believer of that. That I mean, dude, someone Ryan, hits forty, forget about it. What's Matt Ryan like? Thirty-five, and he's already. <laughs> I know, like slow- you're more- I mean, Tannehill slowing down. I mean, it seems like a little bit. I, I think the average quarterbacks start to drop off like in their mid-30s at this point. Aaron yeah. Rodgers is an average, but – and I don't know what Minnesota is going to be. I mean, it does seem – I mean, Cousins started to hit the wall. I mean, a lot of people – or at least two people I know are thinking Cousins got old last year. If you look at the second half of the year, we're starting to see – here's a guy that was always better, at least statistically, than his rep. And he didn't really perform that way the second half of the year. He had a great first half of the year. I don't know. I don't know. I thought Zimmer Zimmer wasn't the problem in Minnesota. Zimmer was a really good X's and O's guy. And the feeling was sometimes coaches just wear out their welcome. He's kind of disciplinarian. And I don't think he lost the locker room. But a lot of close losses. I, 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 players weren't happy at the, by the end of the year in Minnesota, from what I read. So what, what does that mean? Well, it's it's better it's, to get have some new players. Happy players are better players. I mean, listen, under the, that's what led to the player empowerment disaster that we have today. That somehow Ben Simmons once paid. Maybe he could make some free throws first. No, no, he maybe he should shoot some free throws. <laughs> um, Devontae Adams had zero thousand yard seasons in his first four years. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm serious. Who is the last first year? Forget rookie first year. Green Bay Packer receiver to do well. And how, who do they have that's not a first-year receiver? Alan Lazard. Randall right. Cobb. Cobb's back? He was there last year. Yeah, I know. What did, I he do Cobb, and what did he do last I'm year? I, I seem to remember yeah. losing, betting him over several uh, times in games. Yeah, Alan Lazard is going to be the number one probably, right? Boy. I tell you what, the um, – it doesn't seem also like Aaron Rodgers is the type of guy that's going to be like, you know, inviting all the new receivers over to, you know, to work out He's during the offseason. Right. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, lo- I love where you're going. The basic strategy is, is fantastic where you find like one division where there's, only, where there's, there's a clear cut team that might have problems. You don't get 10 to 1 when it's obvious. Yeah. I mean, see, I mean, that's why I normally would have liked the Giants. 
because it's like all they got to do is beat Dallas, and Dallas isn't very good. But yeah. now this Eagles emergence mm-hmm. has me in a funk because, and even the stupid Washington football team or whatever they're calling themselves this week, you know, I saw their season win went up to eight in some spots also. See, I don't understand what you're saying with Philly. Philly's getting steamed. Every time they tick up, Giants are getting better odds. But they're not. They're down to ten to one. They were twelve, right? Well, that, that's a sign they're getting real action. So my my, but but really, it feels like the Eagles is taken away from the Cowboys. I mean, you know, there's a pie of win percentage. Yeah, right? the Eagles are taken away from some of the Giants' pie. So what is it about the Eagles surging as long as the pricing goes along with it that scares you? Because they're surging. Because we just calculated the overall house vig on the if we, if we shop for the very best number for the for every team to win the Super Bowl, and it was tiny, two and a half percent. That's not going to be the case for these division odds. We're we're de- we're we're playing into a much more difficult side bet sh- to win. I mean, how many have we shopped these at? These are five books. Okay. But let's, let's shop the NFC East and see well, what the the edge yeah, shows. Yeah. You want to run these four? You just need to run the four, and that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because I think it'll be a lot higher. Let's talk about the Giants a little bit, though. So, what other than see, I got to tell you something. This whole hate of oh, I'm having a mental block. The Giants uh, coach last year, Joe Judge. Joe Judge. Judge. This whole hate on Judge. Mm-hmm. The fact Belichick's taking him back, and he may be the the OC. Yeah. It tells me that, 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 that we're going to demonize these guys. I, I listen. McDaniel's got demonized after he left Denver. Sure. And Bel- I think Belichick's pretty good. So, like, to me, the idea that Dayball was going to save Judge in his first year, I'm not saying Judge was great, but you, I hate the demonizing the coach. No, I think there's a lot. It's not so much demonizing Joe Judge. I think there's a lot of people that are high on Dayball and his ability, obviously, to work with quarterbacks and what he did with Josh Allen. And looking at Daniel Jones, who kind of poses similar skill set to a lesser degree, of of Josh Allen, right? Daniel Jones was their leading rusher for a large majority of the season, right? Thanks to injuries with Saquon and whatnot, but he can run the football. And you mentioned Saquon. I'm I'm, I'm massively concerned he's never going to pan out to be an effective running back with draft. all these injuries. Don't take a, don't take a running back. Well, I mean, who who knows? Yeah. But, but what, once he got injured, mm-hmm. he's just not been the same at all. Well, it's not who knows. I mean, they're saying any quarter running back in the first round is a mistake. Now. What was he, the third pick? Second. I, I mean, that's a mistake. <laughs> yeah. right. Unless, unless Earl Campbell Grant, comes the guy, back. Grant, the guy they would have taken instead of him would have been Sam Darnold, and we saw how that panned out. But hmm. then again, it's, you know, taking a quarterback moves your franchise forward hmm. as opposed to taking a running back and keeps your franchise stagnant. Even if you know he's, like if you knew he was going to be a bust, you'd rather take any other player, right? I would. Well, now you have Daniel Jones who's playing for his job. And if obviously if he doesn't perform, Tyrod Taylor is a serviceable backup who has experience with Brian Dable. So you look at the Giants at the quarterback position, you feel okay about it. Saquon is healthy, so you feel better about him. The wide receiving core is deep. Offensively, this team should put up points. And defensively was their strength. So what's yeah, yeah. not to like about this Giants team improving? What, what, well, we certainly, no, I don't know if they're going to be the best team in the NFC East, but there's definitely improvement the from pro- last year. The problem is I had the Giants rated my worst team in the NFL by the end of the year last year. They got outgamed by— was, There was internal problems there. Yeah. And they had but, a lot of— I mean, Daniel Jones, the, the backup situation was horrendous yeah, last year. You're right. You're right. So there's a lot of intangibles to expect improvement. I think Daniel Jones is a comeback player of the year candidate this year. You know something? They only played, what, he played 11 games last year? Here's what I'll say about Daniel Jones. Third year 
and we said it. If you look at his second year, it was better than Josh Allen's second year. Daniel Jones' second year was better than Josh Allen's second year. Josh Allen made a historic leap in his third year. Daniel Jones, if you look before he got his concussion, uh, did you have the um, whole percentage? Mackenzie? Sorry, I thought I didn't. I don't. I'll get it now. Yeah, get the hold in just the east on the on the best number. Gotcha. And then, but before you do that, do this first. Pull up the Daniel Jones Giants super sheet from last year. And there's a point before he got hurt. I want to know what his PFF and the QBR is. He was like having a sneaky good year, Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. So it's year three. It's the same kind of thing Josh Allen did. And a lot of and listen, Josh Allen got more accurate, which is rare, rare, rare. But year three is often a jump year for uh, slow developing quarterbacks, right? Obviously, year two for the faster developing ones, or even year one. The Daniel Jones was on that trajectory, mm-hmm. got the concussion, missed a couple of games, if I recall, and came back and just had a couple of disasters. Yeah. Then he hurt his shoulder, mm-hmm. or it was his neck. He had a pinch. I don't know. It was a lot of injuries, and he never really played well after that. I got to tell you, even without Dayball, you can say, hey, if he kept that trajectory, you add Dayball in, even if it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that, oh, this is the guy that did it for Josh Allen, I can believe in him. I like Daniel Jones over passing yards or maybe comeback player of the year. Comeback player of the you year. know, I do have him, last year. even with the bad year, I got him 18th. Would you put him higher or lower than that? Well, I think you're higher than almost everyone. I, uh, yeah, so I, it's back I, to what you were saying. that I, I wouldn't... Wow. So who's who's like 19 and 20? Wentz is 20. Winston is... Uh, Winston, well, I don't think I'd have Winston. him over Winston unless you have real questions with his knee. Is that, I mean, or the LASIK reverse itself. Yeah, post-LASIK <laughs> Winston is, is upgraded. I mean, he looked pretty good. That's before. what I'm saying. Post-LASIK yeah, Winston two. is upgraded. Yeah. So I, I think, Daniel, the, what are you seeing for a comeback player of the year? I haven't seen it. Eight to I, one I'm seeing. Eight to wow. one. Who's, who's, who's the favorite, Lamar? It's Watson. He, no one will vote for him, right? And he's going to get no, suspended. Lamar's got to be the favorite, right? Yeah. All right, here we go. Derrick Henry, Watson. So Henry's three to one. Watson's five to one. Watson's not going to win it because he's not going to. Winston's get... five and a half to one. He Michael win Thomas isn't winning it. He's the number three wide receiver. But, but why is Lamar not on this list? Did he play too much last year? Yeah, I don't think Lamar had that bad of a year. I mean, he was injured, right? Will Fuller, he's coming back from suspension. J.K. Dot Robert. There's no one. I, there's no one else I want on, the, on that. Etn e- e- could win. Etn could have a really good year. But you never didn't play last year. That's why. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that that's, a that's a comeback from yeah. nothing. Don't call it a comeback. Right after RJ says, "Don't take him back in the first round." Yeah. Out pops Etn. <laughs> yeah, but you know that's something that very last pick of that round. You know, sometimes they, for some reason, thirty-two they've taken backs now. Uh, Khalil Mack. That's interesting. Fitzpatrick. What the hell? Fitzpatrick well, isn't even from, on the. He hasn't, that, he hasn't even on a roster yet. But and you've got him ranked twelfth on your quarterback ranking. Yeah. Um, last well, year number you had one, number one on his beard. Dude, right last year you had him above. Like I can't. I know. I got him twenty first. That, that's a stale number, though. But, but I'm saying last year you had him twelve. Right, yes, I. I don't think it was. Yeah, it was it, Trubisky. It was, so, so you, you like Daniel Jones more than Trubisky? Yes. Yeah, I did too. Actually. Yeah. There's not a good now. Derrick Henry missed. So why would Derrick Henry be on here and not Lamar Jackson? Because it seems very analogous. They missed about half a year each, right? Doesn't make sense. No. 
Also, well, how could you? I mean, Derrick Henry's going to be in the running for Offensive Player of the Year and MVP. You going to give him the Comeback Player of the Year? Well, that's yeah, that's an interesting thing. I don't know. To me, when Alex Smith, I mean, Alex Smith kind of should have won it. Just you got to have an injury where like something like we got like the bone sticking out through the leg, like that gives you an edge, right? Because when everybody sees you get, like, getting but, carted but, but off. Also, let's keep in mind, like these odds go crazy. Like all year, Dak was, he was like minus five hundred at one point, mm-hmm. and then Joe Burrow winds up winning the award. So this this market is just gets wild. Yeah, I'm a believer actually in all of these kind of markets, like the Heisman and stuff. Is it's people get tired of this? I mean, think about it. Brady was the MVP from like week eight. Mm-hmm. To week like 14, 15 this year, and then just w- somehow, some way, he has one bad game against the Saints, and Aaron Rodgers. It's becomes, over. Yeah, and it's just like it's not like Aaron Rodgers didn't have bad games. Yeah. So like to me, if all you did was between week eight, well, no, no, I'd say actually more towards week eleven or twelve. Look at the favorite. Say he's not winning, and pick two or three other kind of mid shots, and I and I think you got a good chance. I think you bring up a good point. I think, and also what's happening is there's some sports like the NBA where there's so many games that I by game 45 we know who's going to win. You know the the six man of the year and which two guys can win the rookie of the year. It's all it's almost set in stone. But because it's such a small sample in the NFL, you're absolutely right. And I think people wait those late games way more than they do what happens in September. So you're saying because the three games that might happen from that late point on are three seventeenths, which is a bigger percentage, it it might feel extra late, but there's still a decent percentage of the season left is what you're saying. So tangibly, their performance late could swing things more reasonably. And I think people are paying a lot more attention to you know to the last month of the NFL versus like the NBA. It's almost like they've already decided, but like none of the games matter. You know, it's like in March and April. Yeah, I also think what's interesting is the NBA, and I got this from Ryan Rossillo this year and Simmons. They those voters take those votes very seriously in the mm. NBA. Is that right? It just seems mm. like the, the All NBA, and that's something we'll mm. be talking about with um, AJ here. All right, so let's do this, Fez. You got a best bet, right? I do. We got a little baseball to talk, don't we? We like, do. You got a few baseball questions? Uh, yes, I do. All right, but first, let's do this. Let's take a little. Let's give. You know, when I hear commercial, I think commercial, but it's not a commercial if you're being given something, Fez. Did you know that? No. Listen up. Little jazz in the background. I like the horns when they come in here. Listen. Is Johnny playing a musical instrument? We have that little like Yamaha keyboard for like the, the big piano. So he doesn't take lessons? Not yet. I used to play the flutophone. The flutophone. <laughs> yes. Me too. I think they call it the recorder. Like, I don't know why. All right. We got a coupon code for you. Now, what's it good for? 20% off. Now, what's the code? USA20. Now, why USA20? I have no idea. But I love America. America's where I made my fortune. All right. I'm just improvising. Is that in The Godfather? Exactly. I raised my daughter in the American fashion. (laughs) (laughs) She kept her honor. They beat her like an animal. 
I demand for, justice. For justice, we must go to Don Corleone. But your I, daughter still lives. No, that's in the book. He actually doesn't say that in the movie. Is that right? Yeah. Well, how do you know the book? No, wait, maybe. You know something he you're right. He must have said in the book. Because he says, we're not murderers like this carpet valley. When the book is this carpet valley. Okay. You're right. You're right. Okay. Fez is right. Anyway, USA 20. It gives you 20% off anything. Now, when does it expire? The end of May. So it's not that. It's through and including Memorial Day on Monday. So it's really through Monday, pretty much, and then a day or two more. Now, you can only use it one time per customer. So think of it like mm, a get-out-of-jail-free card. Now, which jail? Jail is losing money. And how do you get out of it? By getting winners. Where do you get winners? Pregame.com. How do you get winners at a discount? USA 20. You see how the circle closes, Fed? I see it. So they can buy an annual they can, uh, yeah, football? They, are you worried football? that they're going to save too much money on your annual? Just want to <laughs> make sure they realize that that's like the biggest savings. I'm at, no, no. I think, let's be honest. You're one of those types, if someone buys one of your annuals for like a real good price, you, you're ambivalent. You like the money, but you want more of it. Yes. When does it all end, huh? How many yachts can you water ski behind? How much is enough? Fez? Well, I saw in one sales... The question is posed to you. I saw in one sales report someone bought my annual and I got charged $5. I know. <laughs> so see, I don't know how that happens. That, that's the thing. Is you, you were crying about... <laughs> like, you're the one in people's ears saying, don't give that coupon. Don't give right. that coupon. I'm Fez. <laughs> I, I'm going to get bought anyway. It's the others. That, it's, it's Mackenzie that needs a coupon. <laughs> and Mackenzie says, well, wait a minute. I'm up 60.58 units. This freaking guy, he's got his units up and everything, but it's one thing to put them up, right? It's another thing. It's the only color-coded thing on the board. He's got this, like, gaudy purple that says you can't miss this. It's almost like there's a nuclear attack coming. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> it's McKenzie's year-to-date record with a positive. <laughs> You know, I've been waiting for these this, the house edge shopping for the best numbers. I couldn't find it. There it is, and like 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 in twelve. Now Mackenzie's so upset right? right now. You're taking away from his record. Oh, I'm sorry, Mackenzie. We'll talk about that in a minute. We're on a commercial right now. Okay, there's nothing really more to say except <laughs> all you got to do is hit buy picks. You decide what you want. You want Fezzik or do you want Mackenzie, who is up sixty point five eight units? Or just since last week, he's up 7.95. How's this sound? You can say almost eight. All right. <laughs> and over six and a half or 60 and a half. You You're see? the marketing genius. Yeah. Well, I don't know, but yeah, it's good. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's interesting. All right. Now, what else? There's something called the rest of 2022. You know what that is? You get the rest of 2022. This year? The whole year. Now, how much is that? Well, you're going to get seven months, over seven months, of your favorite pro for less money than the normal six-month access. Now, that's even before the coupon. So typically, you get six months, it costs X. Now it's costing less for seven, and you're getting 20% off. And just think, if you make Fezzik mad, you know you're doing something right for you. When Fezzik's happy, something happened good for him. Mm. You following? Yeah. Yeah, so he's going to look and say, damn, I wish I wasn't. But you know what? F. Fezzik, at least in this regard, I want you. I like, I like Fezzik more than any of you, but all of you together I like more than Fezzik. So 
Fez, got to take a back seat. I'm fine with that. Are you putting on weight? <laughs> I'm at two, 223. Because you told us about the bet last week. It, it's, you came in with a shirt that made it look like you're a sausage stuffed in it. <laughs> it's hard for me to be motivated when I have a 60-pound lead. Did you, did you ask him when I said to ask him? I did. There's, so, there's, so real quick, let's finish the commercial and then we'll get up real quick. Okay. Um, so it's available now seven months for only less than $900. You only pay $716 when you use the coupon code USA20. Or you can just buy some weekend package. You can buy anything you want. Scott Seidenberg's yet to be selling. You can't buy him. But anyone else. If you could, you'd be up a lot. No, 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 no. Not no. as much as McKenzie. <laughs> no, you don't have any purple thing up there. <laughs> All right. Now, I'll give you an example of people up more than Scott. A few of our win- This is just a sampling of the winning pros. This is in 2022. Andre Gomes. A ma- I think he hails from Portugal. He's still there. He hails from Portugal, from parts unknown. He's up 66 units. It's more than McKenzie. In 2022. Yeah, that's true, actually. Huh. What color purple would he use with Andre Gomes? And we got Fezzik, who's up 55 units. Oh, wait a minute. Sick. So why didn't Mary put your name on here, McKenzie? I talked about this with Mary. I specialize in the NBA. The rest of the year is more about other sports. So, Boy, you do okay in the NFL. Yeah. I'll, so maybe, this is an NBA? That's all subset? he plays. He, he didn't start until like December. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's the you know okay. it's it's a year and he's playing NBA. Yeah, I guess he's a specialist. Right? A lot of most people can't bet eighteen sports like you. But again, you do it in a way that's legitimate because you trade in those sports. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of people try to handicap them. Oh, it's tough. Like Scott tries, but it doesn't. work. I have three college football best bets. Um, I am very confident that they are all solid well, on stellar the Fezzik, plays. On the Fezic focus on Thursday, you can promote that. Yes. Okay. Bum knee AJ can limp in. You guys can do it. You can do the whole thing. And you can even use this coupon code US20 on it. Go ahead, bud. USA20. Yeah, USA20. Not US20. USA20. Okay. No, now I get it. It's Memorial Day. That's why. Yeah. Did you understand that before? That it's a patriotic day? Weekend? No, did you know Monday was Memorial Day? I did not. Well, when you don't work a straight job, why does it matter, right? No. <laughs> you're just mad all the work day humps are causing traffic in the afternoon <laughs> when you're going for your latte. <laughs> all right. And Goodfellow, who is steady as a rock, up 44 units. And by the way, we got Diamond Dave Esler with the best bet coming up later. He's always solid. All right, guys. You got your marching orders. In fact, let me just say it like this. This will be the way I go out. Your wake-up call, pal. Go to work. USA 20. Bring the Iron Sheik down. Sergeant Slaughter, baby. All right, Fez, what were you you talking about? Oh, wait, we were doing something. We're talking about weight. Oh, wait, we were doing House Edge. House House Edge, division bets. McKenzie has run the numbers, and I was wrong again. First of all, he he inserted four numbers (laughs) in the sun. He didn't run anything. I anticipate a much bigger House Edge. McKenzie, you're finding a a very modest House Edge if you shop for the best number for these division bets. And how many books did we choose between here? Four books for each of the divisions. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. NFC East, 1.3% House Edge. So the, you like the Giants? Wow. Um, like the Giants? Nah, now I'm liking the Giants. I might be too. Now, 10 to 1. Here's the thing, though. Hurts has a low 
floor or high floor. I don't unless he gets hurt and they got Minshew backing him. I don't. I, that, that's that's the beauty of the Eagles is that they're the one team that they could lose their quarterback and still win the division. And, and I also it's think rare. it's the one team the quarterback can throw poorly and still do okay. Yeah, I'm not saying he's going to throw poorly. I'm saying if, even if he does, do you agree they're a high ceiling or high floor team? The, the, the lows of Philly isn't that low. They're not going to suck. Yeah, yeah, because they got good O line, good yeah, line, both lines. Yeah. But I think the Giants could win 10 games. But the Giants have a much bigger variance than the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You got anything else on the Giants? That's about it on the Giants. Right, I, I got a best bet on the Giants. What? Yes, week two. You were just talking them down. Well, let's just do it now then. Hold on. <laughs> Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Did you, have a, like, did you like Jewish girls in New York? Growing up in New York? You're asking me if I was a Mayan Bialik guy? Yeah. Uh, no. Who was her friend? Oh, the, the, everyone yeah. liked the yeah. friend. Yeah. What was her name? She was like, she had a, like a little Asian look to her. It was the, the neighbor, the neighbor, right? Or <sighs> like she was kind of like she was always hunched over. What was Blossom's friend's name? Like, when you see it, give me the initials. I don't Six. That was her name on the show. Is that the initial six? No, that was her name on the show. I'm like, six. give me the initials. He goes, six. <laughs> well, I got very happy about it. Like, she was a brunette, right? <laughs> a brunette? I guess, yeah. Are you yeah. looking at a picture of her? Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to look at a picture of her now, but yeah. Oh, was that her name, Six? That was her name on the show. Okay. Six. Okay, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, look, she's in a little belly shirt. Like, she's in, like, freshman in high school. What's going on there? I mean, Six you're talking about, like, trampy. 10-year-old Scott is all, is all is like, and had, that's what had, I'm had thinking. a crush I'm th- right there, you know? I'm thinking Blossom's nose you thought was distinguished. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I had a little crush on Blossom. I can't lie. I was more contemporary. Mm. Yeah. You know what's funny? She ended up getting her Ph.D., She's hosting Jeopardy. Is that right? Does she host it? Yeah. I think she, she was just one of the test hosts. No, I think she, like, switches off now. My oh, Bialik, okay. Right? I didn't even know that. Um, well, w- w- I mean, w- where's <laughs> – isn't there a quarterback in the NFL that does this? Yeah, yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Just count double check. Yeah. What about Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> did is, a great job. He's so – you know, I was shocked when he didn't get married, though. Hmm. You just can't find the right girl, I don't think. He's had family issues. Does that improve his outlook for this season, or does it hurt him? I don't think there's a lot of distractions well, when, in Green when, Bay. When, I mean, I'm not saying this, but people are saying mm-hmm. when fake relationships end, it has no effect. Okay. Mm. Right. A- again, people are saying. But isn't it funny that the conversation was he's 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 gonna get he's get married to Shailen Woodley? Did he anyone wants, take? They, they, he wants to I become think, an actor. You know, the, ru- the rumor yeah. is the rumor is they never met. <laughs> oh, I believe that, that. that it was like you know how there was a kind of a 3D hologram at different yeah. points in Photoshop, and they ne- I guess they made the whole deal and didn't have to. You meet. know, I've heard some conspiracy theories in my day, but this one actually makes sense. And I, I guess it was Kubrick that did the shooting right after the moon landing, mm. and yeah. Okay. Capricorn one. <laughs> All right. Best bet. Best bet. New York Giants. We talked about them being undervalued. Daniel Jones bouncing back week two.
the Giants are hosting. You, you were the one saying, no, the Giants aren't undervalued. No, I was saying I was concerned about the resurgence of the Philadelphia Eagles getting their piece of the pie. And somehow you bet $900 last week against the Eagles. Yeah. That wasn't <laughs> but go good. ahead. All right. So the Giants week two are hosting the Carolina Panthers. This is as clean as it gets, RJ. I'm going to keep it simple. The Giants are better than the Carolina Panthers. I am not on an island here. I think everyone will agree with this. They're not just better. They're considerably better. You can lay minus one at, at some places. I'm going to call minus one half the worst number on the board. I am confident the Giants should be a three-point favorite, at least in this game. Value City here will lay one half. Giants hosting Carolina. Okay, so this is implying that Carolina is the better team. Yes. The line. The line. Is. Yes, which makes no sense. And what's to the me. and what's the, the series? Oh, I'm sorry, what is the season win say? Giants are just a smidge below seven. Mm-hmm. Carolina's at six. So wh- how what's with this line? This it, is just it, it's just it's just mispricing. mispricing. Game of the year, week two, and hasn't been hit yet. And all these three books have that. So oh you, yeah. It's so minus you, one at DraftKings. If you just took one crack at each, you could get down like five thousand. Oh yeah. Each. Absolutely. What the fuck are we waiting on? Oh, excuse me. All right. Get, get, get cross the it's dam like, and get yeah. to Arizona. It's like, now. It's like Rocky too. Call the crack man. It's like Rocky too. What are we waiting for? Should knock his block off. Yeah. Win. Win. Yeah. She, like, she waits like four yeah. seconds yeah. to deliver the line and she goes, win. Hey, that's Francis Coble's uh, sister, so. Con, that's called Connie Corleone. You stood toe-to-toe with that guy mm. for 15. That was beautiful. Fez, don't make me play music over you. Okay, Fezzy Wezzy, so that's your best bet on the Giants, right? Yep, Giants minus one and a half, week two, hosting Carolina. I like this one. Like we said. What are we waiting for? Right. <laughs> okay, Scotty, best bet. Zach Gowan, National League Cy Young Award. Hold on a minute. The guy from The Hangover? Not at the table, Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. Yeah. Right off the cuff, I knew baby. you were going to say Just that. right off the cuff. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, Zach Allen, uh, currently 18 to 20 to 1 odds. This dude is the best pitcher in the National League. Last start, he gave up one run. His ERA went up by giving up one run. He's got a 1.14 ERA. Now, he pitches on a bad team, or a somewhat bad team in the Arizona Diamondbacks, but... Wait, how can he have a 1.14 and one run causes... It went up. up. How? He only pitched seven innings. Oh, okay, but yeah. okay, okay. And he's been so dominant this yeah. season. Now, here's the, the thing that I love, and I ignore the fact that he's on a bad team. In this era of, you know, the advanced analytics and stat cast data and all this stuff... Wins and losses is almost irrelevant now. And so if this guy doesn't rack up 20 wins, I don't Irrelevant for like the Cy Young. Yes. I think the voters look at more than just win-loss now. The advanced stats become much more important. And so if they see his, you know, he's striking out more than a batter per inning. He doesn't walk anybody. He doesn't give up runs. And he's dominating every single start. If he finishes the year 7-2 and or... Four and two, because you know only three three wins on the year right now. If anything, you people get, aren't going to care. You get attention. It seems like for all of the good pitching without the wins, well, it becomes Hernandez, a conversation. Felix right? Hernandez several years ago won the American League Cy Young. He was under five hundred, and, and he's and not. That was he, the turning point. He's not going to finish seven and two, but he no, could well yeah. finish thirteen and eight. Correct. Yes. Okay. So let's define exactly what numbers you're talking about. Also, side note. 
if you look at the Diamondbacks, if you look at the Diamondbacks schedule and actually like try and project forward to when Gallon's going to start, he's going to have starts coming up against Pittsburgh. He's going to have starts coming up against Cincinnati. He's got a start coming up against Detroit. Those are three really bad teams where he's probably going to go seven shutout innings. So were you like on the computer squinting and counting like yes. fours? I was going. I was going. I, I, I love the optimism. Had, seven. Was, he's going to shoot twenty-one shutout innings. Scott I had my said. finger a on little the optimistic. I had my finger on the screen going one, two, three, four. Start. <laughs> then one, then two, you're blanking and you start. I, and I go. Wait a minute. Did I? Wait, was there an off day in there? <laughs> I think the strongest thing of this handicap, and Scott mentioned this um, in production, was the fact that Gallon has doesn't qualify. He doesn't have enough innings yet to be in the official leaders. Well, he does now. But so, he does yes. now. So yeah. the, the, why well, why is this dude getting 20-1 to 1 when he's the best pitcher in the National League mm-hmm. year to date? Because when you queried who the leaders no, were, he didn't he pop up. up. There. Yeah. yeah. How how um Who's the favorite right now, batting odds wise, and why is in the national not to like? Well, Carlos Rodon, who's having a great year, is is certainly up there for the National League. Um, The thing is, with the Scherzer injury, it really changes everything, and the odds actually went off the board with the Scherzer injury for all Cy Young Mm, for the National League because he was was, one of the prohibitive favorites. mm -hmm. Yes, so he went off the board, and it changed everybody's odds. Um, You have Carlos Rodon, Corbin Burns. Pablo Lopez of the Marlins now has had two back-to-back starts where he's gotten a little bit roughed up. And you know it's crazy to say a little bit roughed up by giving up three runs and it's saying that's how good a pitcher is when he gives up three runs in a start. You're like, this guy got roughed up. So you look at him, and he's someone that is the second or third favorite right now that I downgrade based off of his last two starts, whereas you take someone like Zach Gowan, who's much lower on the list, and you got to upgrade And one more reason that I love Gambling. Who's anything about gambling? It's not gambling when you know you're going to win. That's Zach Gowan. (laughs) He's pitching tonight, and I loved his last start was in Wrigley, and the wind was gusting out. The over-under was nine in that game, and he still held the Cubs to one run. So you'd normally say, yeah, the Cubs, average hitting team, give up a run. That's good, not great, but it was great considering the conditions of the game. And you never walk away from the table when you're on a heater. That's true. All right, we got Diamond. Oh, so give it officially? Zach Gowan, National League Cy Young Award. I think he has a better chance at this than an Oscar. <laughs> Just saying. All right, Diamond Dave Esler. This is a guy that grew up in Boston. He made a lot of moves, like a young Sonny Corleone in Boston. Then, we're not saying it was because there's no extradition, but he moved to Florida. Uncle Dave, as some call him. Diamond Dave. Let's listen. It's Boston in game five. It involves that Boston game. Oh, look. Homer time. Let's listen. I love and I bet the Celtics minus a half a point in the first half of game five. I had to make sure I wasn't falling for recency bias, and I'm not. Boston is simply the better team, especially in the playoffs, where they're scoring 57 points per game in the first half of the last five games. Heat just under 49. But we know the Celtics have won 13 of 16 quarters. One of those 16 uh, was the meaningless fourth quarter Monday night. Boston is the deeper team. They have seven guys averaging double-digit scoring to the Heat's five. Boston's controlled the boards. They've shot 46% to Miami's 43. If that's not enough, the Celtics have the number one defense in two-point shots, three-point shots, shooting efficiency, and, of course, points per game. And, oh, by the way, they are number one defensively in both first quarter and second quarter points per game allowed. 
They held the Heat to 33 in the first half without the Defensive Player of the Year, who they should have back from Game 5. And I don't suspect Miami just recovers from a game that ugly. Boston had the halftime lead in both games at Miami in Games 1 and 2, so I am betting for a repeat performance Wednesday and bet the Celtics minus a half for the first half. See, this gets into the big argument that Mackenzie and I had on air straight out of Vegas, 6 o'clock Eastern on Fox Sports Radio, 225 stations nationwide. Coast to coast, Fez. We had 300 plus stations. No, 225. 225? Yeah, we, the, when we were weekend, it was more stations, That's but right. it was four in the morning. That's right. It's a trade-off. <laughs> Six Eastern. Um, I don't think this line makes any sense. So, Fez, explain, make the case why Boston should be favored in this game. Because Boston is the much better team. Hmm. If you look at the point differential since the New Year's. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's not how we do lines. We don't look at, we don't arbitrarily say the new year, by the way. And then we don't say, oh, look, the point differential says this. So they must be, is that how you do your power ratings? No. Okay. So coming into this series, what was the power ratings on Boston and Miami? What were you, a point better on Boston? I had Boston a seven. I had Miami at a five. So you had it two Two points better. Yeah. That's Mm. why I gave Boston out straight out of Vegas, 10 to one to win the title. Okay, 10 to 1. When'd you bet that? When they're down 3 2 to Milwaukee. Okay. All right. So, right now, the line of Celtics being favored when Miami's in a must win, if the zigzag is squarely in Miami's side, let's call that even a half a point, though it probably should be more. Let's call it a point. Uh, Let's call it a point. point. All right. So, uh, Miami should be a three point favorite. All things equal. Home field. Home court. Now it yep. goes to one because of your power rating. Now it goes up one because of the zigzag. I think injury-wise, as we said on SOV, if anything, it's slight advantage Miami, but there's certainly uncertainty out there, right? Mm-hmm. And how do we get, though, from Miami minus two to Miami plus one and a half at home? That's the three and a half mystery points. <laughs> yes. The, you know, Boston, it's 2-2 in the series. And maybe maybe, maybe the betters... They've yet to lead the series. Yes, maybe the betters have overreacted to the fact that Boston is... That's what you want to bet against. Well, Boston has outscored them on average by seven points per game. Oh, yes, okay. And they they outscored... two games. Well, and they outscored Milwaukee by seven points per game. Oh well, great. So now, so now we're talking them go, eleven. Them so now we're talking down three. Them going down three two to Milwaukee without their second best player was a well, hell of an accomplishment. They played eleven games against Milwaukee and against Miami, and they've outscored those teams by seven per game. That's pretty impressive. Come on. And what's the game count? Well, who cares if they blow a team? I well, mean, this is the key. This is the key question. Does it the fact that Boston has all these twenty and thirty point wins? That's obviously they needed that to get that differential. How much are we going to count those? And that is a very valid criticism well, of the point differential. Here's the thing: if you're doing the point differential for the year, I can deal with it. In fact, it's a it's one of the key stats. I and, and, and like you said. On the year, Boston has outscored their points by 7.3. I don't mean on the year, the calendar year. I, mean I know. The season. For the season, Boston's three points better. Okay. Three points better. So maybe, I mean, we're just going to arbitrage. Why don't we pick a little sliver that Miami did extra well <laughs> okay. in? Right? I mean, this Boston team was 25-25 and 25 after 50 games. Mm-hmm. Of the last 80 teams to be in the conference finals, so 20 years times four, that's the worst record after 50 games. So... 
do we just do we take the worst record after 50 or do we say oh no it's only the games after that that matter because they got a new coach and Udoka had them rolling after and I don't know how they lost all those close games early in the year I mean that's I'm not really sure they were all close I mean what are you who said they were close no they had to be if they had such a good point differential well they, they had a massive one the last you know 32 games of the year or whatever mm-hmm. by the way my big slam dunk statement on SOV was, well, wait a minute. The Heat are 2-2 at home, must win spot. They're getting points. The Mavs are down 3-0 at the time. They're playing the game now. Historically, if you're down 3-0 or 0-3, however you want to say, you're 42%. Okay? Yes. And historically, there's only been 12 teams since 2003 that were down 0-3 and they were favored in game four. But somehow the Mavs are favored in game four. But that means the, the distance between the Mavs and the Warriors is less than between the Heat and the Celtics. Because you have a horrible spot for the Mavs, a great spot for the Heat. But somehow the Heat is an underdog at home, but the Mavs are a favorite. And, and it, it doesn't make any sense. By the way, they're up 14, the Mavs. Unbelievable. Now the, it's 16. Uh, they knew. The, uh, yeah, because if you ask all every expert right now, they I think every single one of them would say stack rank the teams. Well, Golden State's the best, Boston's second, Miami's third, and Dallas is fourth. Except for mm-hmm. this line <laughs> makes no sense based upon this because this line, like you said, says that the difference between Dallas and and Golden State is basically negligible. Based upon this line in the in the mother of all bad spots, down 0-3? It is the mother of all bad. And the funny thing it's is— It's like you get no home field then. And they were only a three-point favorite in game three, yeah, which so is, if, is the perfect spot. So if you're a three-point favorite in game three, you're supposed to be pick them game four. If not you, more. Three-point adjustment for the yeah. bad 0-3 yeah. spot. And here they're laying one and a half. And, and I even said I didn't give this play out at all. I said I have no idea what's going to happen. And I think you're the master of this. If you can't explain why a line is completely off, you're probably better off just passing. And there's a corollary, too. If there's a line that the average uh, Barney at the bar is going to say, man, I'm getting value on that one. Getting Steph and Clay. And- yeah. I mean, it's like if the bookies are giving them something that's juicy, that means they want them to eat it. Mm-hmm. So I, I want no part of that because you know what we know about the bookies. Cockroaches. Cockroaches, yeah. All right. Hmm. You got anything to say on this, McKenzie? I was just looking up per your conversation. The Celtics were 25 and 25 with a plus three straight up margin through January 28th. So they were losing a lot of close games. They were playing better than their admittedly poor record showed. Here's the thing. The Pythagorean, which is not differential effectively saying that predicts the future better than anything. I think doing that over a season is great, but doing that over the playoffs is irrelevant. It's four games. We d- oh, we're going to, I'm going to disagree. I think no, it, it, it's the question, irrelevant. oh, that you're wrong. It's, it's, whoa, it's, whoa, 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 whoa. You're wrong. Under your, whoa, 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 whoa. Under your theory then, how much adjustment should there be between the Warriors and the Mavs for these three games? What was the net differential in those games? Significant. All right, and what was the adjustment? Zero. Okay. So I'm confused. What I, the question is, how relevant is it case-by-case basis? Uh, well, what, what would make this an exception when it's 3-0 in total domination in three games? 
I like I said, this series I can't explain. In this case, it is completely irrelevant. Fez, it seems like in every series you overestimate the changes that are happening from the first game to the last game. It's almost inevitable. There's no changes. Mm, I, I'm confident that the, the, the market, when, when one team is significantly outscoring another team the, in, in a series, there there is adjustments to the line. You're right. It may not be that. That um, McKenzie, significant. We've been breaking down almost every game, and the two exceptions here has been Golden State's had against uh, Denver. They got upgraded, mm-hmm. and here they, it doesn't look like they have. But in some spots, it did look like they had. And I don't know if there was another team. Was what there what another? was the Boston Milwaukee game Mo- seven line? Uh, that was in Boston, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. I th- uh, well, we you can pour, uh, we can. It pour was it. five. Boston was five point favorites. Yeah. So about a okay, so half really a point upgrade no, from game so yeah, one. Yeah, so really no difference. So, so this goes you. back to what you're saying, because basically the same line as, as games three and four, or, 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 or the, earlier game, in the game series. Game one and seven is often about yeah, the same. Yeah. And the theory yeah. is, well, there's three, three. What, I'm saying even, like, look at the new, the, the Brooklyn Boston line. Uh, that's a great three. example. So Boston just wins every game by seven points, and the market just says, eh, we don't care. We're yeah. still going to price Brooklyn. And what, and what was the Mavs in, in, in game three here? They were three. They were land three. Yeah. So, I mean, it was like seven, or I'm sorry, five. Th- uh, well, three implies they're even teams. Despite getting their butts kicked. It does, doesn't matter. Didn't I mean, matter. Game three. So you're, you're, making it, you're making an excellent case. Mackenzie, wouldn't you say that typically we're looking at like a point? Is the most adjustment you see in a series, and it's usually after a big blowout, and then it, then if there's anything that pushes the other way, it doubles back. Yes, I would agree. with I mean, that. we've been yeah. doing it every you're game. You're right. Then, then you're right. I mean, I, I do think in general the public overreact. Like AJ's not an NBA like expert, and it's been kind of interesting watching him. Like, oh my god. Did you see how good, you know, so and so looked? And he was like, they can, you know, Phoenix can't lose to this team. Then game three, it's like, huh, I don't know. And it's like, this happens all the time. But then you think about it, the Mavs should have won game two. Right? Game one was a scheduled loss mm-hmm. where they came off of Phoenix mm-hmm. and then they should have won game two. Because they got up big. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, they were in control of the game on the road. It is interesting where the, and it's funny here. I like the Mavs look like they're going to win this thing because. Man, let's think about this a second. If a team is minus, maybe Mackenzie, you can figure this out. If a team is minus five, no, no, no. Let's say minus six, pick them. So they're minus six at home, pick them on the road. What's the chance of a team coming back and winning four straight down 0-3? Like we should be able to figure that just as easy as anything, right? Yeah, it should be one, obviously one half times Uh one half. Uh Uh-huh. Times, times whatever the percentage is on a six, six point. point, which would be about we call it point three, point three point times point three times point two five. Why point two five? One half times one half. Oh, oh, oh they okay, win the yeah, t- yeah. Point five times point five times point three times point three. Okay, like because it's been like one sixty. You know, I think it should have happened multiple times. I mean, let's just see here real quick. All right, point three. Two point two five percent times point three times point five. Times 0.5 equals, yeah, so 2.25%, so 50, like 40 to 1, a little less than, like 45 to 1. Yeah, but most teams down 3-0, when they're home, they're like a four-point dog. They're like, they're not they're not getting valued. Oh, this is rare. That team gets down 3-0 and they're and They're, they're like, favored, yeah, but I mean, being yeah. pick them, okay, maybe it's a little bit more, but it's not, I mean, I would agree. Typically, you see like two or three-point favorite for that team up 3-0. But so it's not that different. So you know. So let's just say, 
let's say one in in one, one in sixty. Yeah. Okay. It's like it should have happened three times already. Mm. No, it's, no, no. It's like one. A lot, a lot of these three O's are like eight versus one seeds. Where eight like, versus ones for for a long time was was five game series. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah this is okay. interesting. Yeah, it should have happened. And you know what's funny? Happened in every other sport. I think, except when, for NBA. Right? I think when you get to Game Six, it's advantage. Like I thought, Toronto almost happened. Philly, Philly Toronto, yeah, could have happened. Didn't, oh, it didn't I, almost happen, but, but could have. Isn't Toronto in that spot, and the yeah. other team's starting to get worried? Isn't that like a good spot to be? I mean, you still got to win two games, but man, the pressure's on the other team. Though. Sure. So Mavs just going to win one more here if this holds up. All right, baseball. Oh, well, what did we think? So we've got. So what we're saying in. Oh, so what'd you come up with, Mackenzie? A team that has is three and zero that's six points or three points better should be a ninety five percent chance, not a ninety nine percent chance like the actual results have come in. Ninety five percent chance to close that series. Okay, so you're assuming it's going to be plus or, or six at the home of the team that's up and pick them the other way. Yeah. So Fez, that's different. So you, your point three must have been. So the fifth. He's using. He, he's using. It doesn't make sense because he's using the same number. He's using like the point two eight. Yeah, point two eight instead of point three. It should be virtually the same. So point five times point five times point two eight times point two eight. Why? Why times point seven two? Yeah, we don't need the binomial here. If if it's all if it, we know we need four straight events. Yeah, it's got to be two and a half percent. It can't be five. So maybe that's a sign of a, an issue with your binomial there. Maybe. Um, Work in progress. I tell you, when you have a black box, this is why the housing crisis happened. This kind of thing. Jenga some, blocks. Some, no, some guy from the Ivy Leagues that had some opaque, uh-huh, opaque algorithm, and then we all lost Everyone our houses. It. Yep. Mackenzie just laughing up in his tower. I get a bailout, right? I don't know. <laughs> all right. Too big to fail. <laughs> don't talk about his weight. What the hell's wrong with you? All right. Boston, so we generally agree. Now, I did speculate one thing here. I think this might be inside information. On Butler? That, that Butler's yeah. banged up. I think more. this is strong. That base, that he, he has one subpar game. Who cares? But maybe maybe people know, hey, he's not going to be 100%. How much the of the game the did you watch last night? Very little. Okay. All right. All right. Let's talk a little baseball and wrap it up. So Esler, you can follow him, Dave underscore Esler on Twitter. And he's up at pregame.com. He's part of the coupon. USA 20. All right, you got four and a half minutes for baseball. All right, I got three topics. Go. Go. American League MVP. So Otani was the prohibitive favorite for a while. Joe Judge, or Judge is just having a monster stretch with home runs. I think he's on pace to hit over 60. I see he's plus 350 to win the MVP. He looks like an ultra public type of guy people would vote for. Is there value to taking Judge plus 350? Yeah, especially if you, he, they still haven't gotten the contract done, which is just baffling. And every single time he hits a home run, I think he go, his value goes up $100 million. So, <laughs> he's, you know, he, so he, 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 he chose not to like sign a contract, and he's basically betting on himself this year, right? It's not that. Con- and contract haven't offered him something yet. So, so he has every incentive yes, to, to, to put perform. up huge numbers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So and that, to stay healthy. It's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is it. All right. So you would endorse the plus three fifty. I would absolutely judge, endorse Aaron Judge. Yes. All right. So we're gonna we, we're, so we're backing Judge. Here's a team I want to fade. Colorado had was great at home last year mm-hmm. and started out very well. Was like five games above five hundred. Now they're scuffling. They've just dropped below five hundred. 
Now, I know they play this week against two cupcakes on the East Coast, Pittsburgh and Washington. Mm -hmm. After that, the schedule just gets incredibly difficult. L.A., San Diego, San Fran, Arizona in division. I want to wait till this week ends. Right now, their season win number is right around 70. I think this team's going to fall hard when they have to, when that strength of schedule goes up. I want to play under 70. I'm in no hurry to do it. I want mm-hmm. this week to end because they might win four out of six games. Yeah. Would you concur with that idea? I would. I'm not a fan. I, I was early on because they started out really well, but what are they, 6-11 and 11 on the road now this season? So uh, I would, yeah, I'd, I'd probably, and you mentioned that stretch coming up, which, um, listen, the teams in the division are only going to get better, right? I mean, San Diego's going to get better. Machado's coming. I mean, you know, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, Tatis is coming back, and Machado is playing like an MVP. Giants are going to be above five hundred. The Giants—they're going through some tough stretch right now. Arizona's better. Arizona's Arizona looks playing good. good ball, very competent. So yes. I do like that. Surprise. And what's your third one? The 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 oh, maybe you do this at the end when he's packing up is the stuff you've already kind of bat off his rack recommendation. Give us updates every week. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I know for sure you had something in the. What was it? Was it the Yankees or was it fade? It was fading um, we, we, Montreal or not Montreal. We faded Toronto. Mm-hmm. So to, we, we played Toronto under 91 and currently they're on pace for like, uh, or, or the current number is right around 88 and a half. So okay. Toronto has not played well. Mm-hmm. So, so And you still like that, right? Yep. Um, we played the Reds under um, mm-hmm. various numbers. The Reds actually turned around and won some games. So they're right pretty much back. They're on pace when we, where we played them under. And I talked you out of doing the Diamondbacks under. Yes. And they've, they've won some we, games. We're actually in good shape. We yeah. played the Reds in the high 60s under, and I suggested Arizona, and Scott vetoed that one. He did not like that play. Um, Arizona's going to be above 500. Teams were bullish on. Scott liked the Yankees over and the Mets over. We played those back when they were in the, early, the low right, 90s. Right. So, so, we're, so, we're, so we're doing real well Excellent. across the board. And the Twins over. Um, the Mets. Let's talk about the Mets. Mm-hmm. We were bullish on them. Things have gone badly for the Mets. So, um, Serge, um, we, 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 we've got Matt, Max... Scherzer injured, yep. takes himself out of the game. Obviously, DeGrom hasn't pitched yet this mm-hmm. year. Maybe he's coming back. McGill, their opening day starter. He's out. He's hurt with the bicep. So we got three of our premium starters out. It would seem the Mets have had a lot of fortunate wins this year, a lot of close game wins. They've got a great record. Is it just as simple as I got to throw the switch and start selectively betting against the Mets, looking to bet against them any what's day your, I don't like question? them. What's I want to bet I against the Mets almost I, every day. I think the Mets are a regression candidate, yes. So why not play under their current total? Because when sure, when these guys come back, the Mets are a great team. I want to so fade them the, the next three weeks. Okay. Yeah, I want to fade them the next three weeks. Yeah, I think they are a regression candidate. They've also gotten by with a lot of soft contact, which is not sustainable for a long stretch. So I do think the Mets are a regression candidate, and I think that there are teams in their division that are surging. Hmm. So they'll be, you know, the Braves and the Phillies always- are surging. Um, the Marlins are not going anywhere. Mike Schmidt's so- good, I think. Oh, there. tremendous guy. No yeah. one yeah. no right. one on yeah. Washington's pitching staff is. Well, they're terrible. Yes. Fade Washington at, at all costs. And, and the Mets also, RJ, have, like by all accounts, big dollars, so they're, they can throw money at, at acquisitions Which here during the year. Which apparently they're saying is different than the Yankees, who seem very conscious of their budget. <laughs> yeah. No, the Yankees are the Yankees. See, the Yankees want to stay under the luxury tax threshold. Oh, oh, the, this is serious. The new no, it is. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the Yankees have been fiscally responsible now for mm. the past couple of seasons. It's been a different approach under Hal Steinbrenner, where uh, whereas the Mets, their new owner Steve Cohen, just wants to 
he'll pay anything. Now, that Cohn is, 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 is the main guy that the Bobby Axelrod. Steve Cohn is Bobby Axelrod, yes. And he will spend any – he has unlimited funds. Hmm. Okay, last question. You gave that Cy Young pick mm-hmm. from Gal- Galifianakis. Is that yeah, how you say that? yeah, that Galifianakis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, between two ferns. <laughs> and and you were talking about underlying stats. To me, there's two different level of underlying stats. One is things like the advanced metrics, like you know, I, I don't even know enough. The war, this or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there's the thing that is the tracking data that has things like spin of the ball and spin rate. Yep. I. My gut feeling is the more advanced stats that actually connect to the field or what you're talking about, no one's winning the Cy Young because of their spin rate. No. I'm talking about a guy, and this is what I talked about when you're looking at somebody to bet on. So what are, what are some of those advanced stats for a pitcher? Uh, fielding independent pitcher. Okay, yes. Okay, you see the term FIP being thrown around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's um, – so, so, XWOBA, which is basically it takes into account all of the outcomes that happen over the course of the game. So your contact, strikeouts, mm-hmm. and it's an expected. So ba- baseball Savant is like a little subsection. Baseball Savant, Fangraphs is a great website mm-hmm. as well that has all the advanced StatCat data. So what I said before on, on Straight Out of Vegas is there's times where a pitcher's advanced numbers mm-hmm. – all the ones that the people call them the stat cat, stat cast geeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. All those numbers that the saber matricians look at and love tell a different story than the numbers that you just find on ESPN.com or FoxSports.com right, so, or whatever. So, so let me recap this. It seems to me the things like the spin rate and stuff, the tracking data informers what the results on the field should the eventually be. Different. Spin rate's not... Uh, but that's what I'm yeah. saying. But what I'm saying is, yeah. follow me here, is those kind of... Like, let's say you got a pitcher whose spin rate is is dropped significantly from last year, right? So you're like, okay, he's not getting the yes. same movement on the ball. Mm-hmm. Now, his stats, his, his top-level stats are the same, but then you look in the middle and you might be able to find, hey, here's where... He's making up for lack of spin rate. He's gotten lucky on fielding independent or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the theory is the one informs, the, you know, the spin rate informs the truth. And the truth is represented by the underlying stats, but not the conventional stats. Yes, and other things like uh, barrel rate and percentage. Exactly, How many yeah. times are you giving up contact on the barrel of the bat as opposed okay, to— Okay, so that's performance. That's yes. not predict. Okay, yeah. But if you are a pitcher that, that pitches to— a high swing and miss rate and a low barrel rate, guess what? You're not going to give up a lot of hard contact. You're not giving up home runs. You're not getting hit hard because you're either striking guys out or guys yep, are hitting, hitting pop-ups and yeah. bloopers and soft ground balls. Those are the numbers that you look at and you say, that guy's going to have more success than his ERA is pretty high. Maybe he got unlucky a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with this guy because he's going to be better. So what they've done, it seems like, is baseball has been the first sport to kind of take what a really savvy batter would see with his eyes. This guy's lucky. This guy's not throwing as hard. And it's actually something quantifiable, it seems, almost 100%. It's like you, the right what makes out- it so difficult to beat. Well, it, it, but that's the question is how much is that optimal algorithm dictating the market right now? I think a whole lot well, from that's what I hear. It, see, that's interesting because we were talking on mm-hmm. SOV. You were saying it's kind of in between. That the, yeah. That the, 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 there is – but I do think this idea of the stats beneath – 
the advanced stats are going to be more predictive. It seems like is 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 this like things like what leads to successful pitching where like with hitting they got barrel don't they have like barrel rate or the yeah. like speed of the bat going exit velo yes mm-hmm. i mean it's like this stuff is not about the stats on the field it's about the underlying elements of your game that lead to the stats on mm-hmm. the field it's almost like 40 times but it's on yes. the field and, and i think what's important and where my approach comes in is i, I am not a victim to those numbers i utilize them to to add to the situation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and if everything lines up, like oregano, up, yeah. If everything lines up and all the ingredients, you know, make the sauce, then I'm going to eat it. So to me, <laughs> well, you're going to eat it if yeah, there's a couple regardless. ingredients short. But that's what I'm saying. For me, it's it's if the situation, because uh, I, I'm big on situational handicaps. I love situational spots. Um, these players are human. People forget that, right? So there's things well, we that saw come, that golfer on 18. There's things that come into play. Team coming off a double doubleheader, playing a day game the next day. There's a lot that goes into different situational spots. If the numbers and the advanced numbers match what I have handicapped going into a game, I'm playing that. All right. Ten second question. Last question. Is it advanced enough now that the, t- the betters that you talk to, mm-hmm. let's say there's a guy that that is getting a lot of swings and misses. Now he's playing in a stadium with the wind blowing out. And it's like your ability to get swings and misses are very important because any contact might be trouble. Mm-hmm. Is is that level of this style of player is better in this kind? If it's not his home stadium, I mean, are they getting to that it, it, level? The stat you'd be looking at is a ground ball pitcher versus a fly ball pitcher. If uh-huh. you are, if you are if the wind's a pitcher, blown out of it, which if, that was going on in the nineties. Well, even. it happened last week. Uh, the total in the Cubs game it was like eleven and a half. There were twenty six mile per hour winds blowing out to center field. There there were nine home runs hit in that game. It flew over the total. That was the Arizona game. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. You know, you, so you got to pay without attention. Gal, without Gal, without Gal, pitching. Yeah. Yeah. you got to pay attention to the weather and and uh, especially at a place like Wrigley. Question for you, Stephen. We're going to wrap, and Scott's packing up. Is it seems to me NBA referee like this idea of Scott Foster's the extender, as Simmons has been saying. It strikes me that we're all just nodding to it. Like, yeah, it happened again. Ha, ha, ha. It feels like, like like there was no chance of Miami winning that game. It was like the way they were calling fouls. It was like Miami Makes, played a certain way in game three. You, you're not going to play that way. It no hasn't matter. been on my radar, and I think we're, I'm missing out on an opportunity. I there, do, yeah. too. I mean, it feels I like these – I mean, I've been saying this. I mean, honestly, I did a Wall Street Journal thing like 10. Shit, it's been – has that been 14 years ago? Jesus Christ. It was when I got married. Right that week, I did something with the Wall Street Journal about saying, look at the games in which it's like this game extends it or it doesn't. And it just statistically at the time, and again, Stern was front and center, obviously, the game, the, the series got extended. Overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Scott Seidenberg, you can follow him on Twitter at Scott. Scott's on air. Yeah, you almost missed that. Scott's Scott's on on air. air. Or some could no no syllabuses for me, baby. You know, some people think that it's Scott S on air because my last name. I thought some people say Scott B S. Well, those are the people that know me best. (laughs) All right, and Fez, it's Fez Sports. F E Z Z I K. Now remember, we got about a good. Scott was here for this before the SOV. We got about. 15 minutes with A.J. Hoffman with the bum knee. And McKenzie, by the way, he's doing well. Oh, God, do I have to hear this Twitter? Go ahead, quick. At Mackin Rivers. Here comes A.J. Talk to you next week. Special early taping here. A.J. 
has his appointment with it's Dr. James Andrews. Uh, yeah, for your bum knee. <laughs> bum knee. <laughs> <laughs> and Scott, who happened to be here, we're gonna let him sit in. All right. Turn on his mic. If he says anything I don't like, we'll just turn it off. You've that's got so, the power. It's a simple way. All right. You got one thing we wanted to make sure not to miss today. Tell us what it is. Basically, and and you have the credit for kind of pushing me into this research, uh, but it was what what kind of a player has to be on your team in order for you to win an NBA title. And I went back to 1980. All right, so 80's the modern era. Yes. Um, Magic and Bird's rookie year. Yep. If you watch Winning Time. And I looked at every team, looked at the – on every team there's either – a first-team All-NBA player. All right, so let's let's talk about the criteria. So what we're looking for is how do we quantify how good these players are? Because we look at Isaiah Thomas, and we might debate differently. We look at, obviously, the reason this all started was because of just the preponderance of Mount Rushmore-type title winners in the modern era. Magic, Bird, uh, all the way into Michael, obviously, Duncan, Kobe. I mean, there's like eight or nine people that cover so many of these. No doubt. Now, the question is, okay, it's easy to say there's a great player on most of these teams, but how do we quantify that greatness? Yeah, and so the All-NBA team, first-team All-NBA means you're one of the five best players in the league and that's, that year. That, that, that gets a lot of serious consideration by the voters. Yeah, it's not an all-star team. Yep. I, I mean, this is like the, the real deal. There's no replacement player. I mean, it's like there's five. Yes, and uh, since 1980, with the exception of... Of three teams. All right, now how many teams have won a title since eight? 42. All right, 42. Well, 41 with this year pinned. Okay, so 41. So there's three teams, there's an exception. Those teams are the 1980. Well, Well, what's the exception? Criteria. The the exception is you either have a first team All NBA player this season. Mm Or you've been, you've had one in the last two seasons. So they're very recently removed from being one of the five best players. So the player who's on the team that year was an All-NBA either the current year or the year before or the year before that. Yes. So there's a three-year horizon, or not horizon, but three-year time period that they were All-NBA. And in addition, they were All-NBA at least one other time. Yes. All right. Everybody on this list is has been All-NBA first team more than once. Okay. So not – so – that then meets two criteria. One, you were one of the five best players in the league at least twice in your career. And it happened recently. It's not like it happened 10 years ago or whatever. And the vast majority of them happened that given year, right? Yes. 33 out of the 42 had a first-team All-NBA player the season they won the title. All right. And then how many of them had it the, either the second or third year back? Six. Okay. So a vast majority that year. So really what we're saying is there's five teams. Now, sometimes I guess there was two All-NBA on the same team, I guess. It was. So was that, how common was that? It was fairly uncommon to have two guys on the first team. Shaq and Kobe were on it once, and Julius Irving and Dr. J were on it in the same the year same once. The same person was on it twice? It, Dr. J and Moses Malone, sorry. <laughs> that would have been, I mean, that would have been gonna, impressive. You're going to be the center and the forward. But even in, in 2017, Steph and KD both were on second team. So, so now, think about how tough that is. I mean, so you're saying literally the 83 Sixers – which was one of the great undervalued te- or you know, underrated teams. They were because it was a one-year wonder for them. 
but they were as good as anyone in that era. Malone was uh, MVP that year. He he famously said they asked his prediction for the uh, playoffs. He said four, four, and four, <laughs> and I, I think they ended up going uh, twelve and one or something. So he was off by one game. Uh, <laughs> um, wow. And in the 2002 so Michael Lakers. Michael and Sc- Scottie Pippen were never on first team together. No. That's a, tough, uh, that's a tough little list to be on. It is. Okay. And thus, how many people currently playing meet this criteria? If you count the Dallas Mavericks who are still in, down yeah. 3-0, Luka. Well, you've got to count, though. There's four teams playing. Luka is still alive in mm-hmm. this, and Steph Curry. Okay. So, no, so, really, what you're saying is if either team from the East wins it, now, here's the thing that makes it a little confusing as we predict the future. The All-NBA is not out yet. Yes. <sighs> and those, those three exceptions that we didn't get to, uh, the 1989 and 90 Pistons. Which, you know, let's talk, talk about that a second. Isaiah Thomas doesn't make this criteria. So Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson were the first-team All-NBA guards from 84 to 86. Mm-hmm. Starting in 87, this guy named Michael Jordan came along and, and took Isaiah's spot on the All-NBA team, and Jordan and Magic had it for years going <laughs> Jeez, forward. So, that, that's a tough that, – I mean, like, a lot of people consider Magic like the third-best player of all time. MJ's clearly number one. If you're the fourth best player of all time, you wouldn't have been on all NBA. No. And what's funny is historically they voted centers like you could. They didn't play game like like this year. And B likely will be second team. Yeah, although there's a lot of people who are voting him for a first team forward. He and Jokic. I mean, from what I understand is there's always rogue people that try to do that, but there's not enough to do it. So let's assume, I mean, like historically, like David Robinson would be third team, Hakeem first team. So, I mean, like this is serious business, but I think we, I love the way we've kind of proven there's got to, there's, you got to have a superstar and and the rationale why you need that is what in your mind? You have to have someone who you can say, okay, when, when the chips are down, we can go to this guy. He can put the team on his shoulders and win a game for us. And I think it's a, I, I agree, but I think there's a little more detail, in my opinion, which is the, the NBA seven-game series is all about adjustments. So you come in, you play your first game. The loser usually adjusts, zigzag, and then the other team adjusts to the adjustment in game three. You adjust to adjustment. At a certain point, you run out of moves. It's like, what do we do now? And Michael, for example, was the ultimate adjustment. He's just going to jump up. You know, in the last seconds, he's going to jump up and go higher than anyone. And that superhuman kind of play is what really, I mean, listen, all you got to do is look at that Utah tape. The last game of Michael's Chicago career, the last two minutes of his last game with Chicago was a microcosm of the greatness of Jordan. Got like a stop like a little poke steal off of Malone, went down, a beautiful layup, and then stopped him. I, he wasn't a key in the stop, I don't think, the next time. Got the rebound, went down, got the ball to Michael, the statue shot, that's it. And, I mean, like, if literally, if, if Utah had made one, you know, get a stop, get a bucket is what they say, right? I mean, think about the great players, right? A guy like Giannis last year, got a stop, got a bucket, so Giannis would have been first team first last team year. First team last year. Yeah. So the exceptions are Isaiah Thomas, which is unbelievable. Guys. Twice. Yeah. And the 2004 Pistons that had. Which is the exception, I think. Yeah. 
Right. I mean, because I mean, that, you, you can't. Was there right? Ben Wallace was on second team All NBA that, that year. Wow. So if he was Ooh. just one, Sir Shaq was the center. Shaq was the center. Yeah, you're gonna go over Shaq. No. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's just like wow. I love All NBA. It doesn't get enough credit. You know, like to, to really think like how many all first teams is the best. You know, like how many first teams do you think Kobe has? Like more than four or five. Uh, he, he's got to have at least at least four or five. Mackenzie, you want to look that up? I'm on it. I wonder who has the most. See, that's where I think in the NFL, I've often made the case, you're old enough, Scott, to be contemporaneous with this. Peyton Manning was considered the better quarterback over Tom Brady, I mean, up until maybe the Atlanta game, the comeback game. I think entering that game, Mm -hmm. Brady hadn't won a Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken, in 10 years. Yeah, but there was always... Until Peyton finally won, which there, was like '06, there was always the the maybe until Peyton won the second one in Denver. Oh. But there was always the the whole rationale of Peyton's the best regular season quarterback of all time. Well, that, Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. That Brady's year do you postseason. Think that just it was always until Peyton won his first well, I, one. I don't agree. Until with Peyton that. won his first okay, one, what yeah, was yeah. the knock on him? Well, Brady was underperformed even consi- in but, the playoffs. But Brady was a game manager up until two, up until two thousand six. So, so. He completely elevated his game. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. But uh, you had to, what were you going to say? Ten guys in NBA history have been first team All NBA double digit times. Well, who's those ten? Uh, Baylor, Pettit, Jordan, West. Kuzi, Duncan, and Kareem all have 10. All right, so Duncan, Kareem, and Jordan's the only modern era players. Yeah. All right. Malone and Bryant, Carmelone, Kobe Bryant, 11 mm-hmm. each. Wow. LeBron James, 13. Wait a minute. You're saying that Michael had less than Kobe? Yeah. Hmm, I don't like all NBA as much. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember Michael took a couple years off, too. Or he know, probably, he's probably got 12. That's, 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 that, that's, yeah, that's right. Those are two years that are missing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That still doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> but, you know, Kobe, it's interesting. Kobe only won one MVP. It's fascinating to think it's so much position-based, too. I wonder if they made it where you had to be a small forward or, like, could Malone and Duncan be there the same year? No, you could, any two forwards okay, and any two guards. Did. Okay. So I think the only thing we've got to do here is how do we – we've got to come up with a slightly different system for next year that doesn't require that year's All-NBA. Because we don't know until after the playoffs. Because it works – yeah, it works well. Now, listen. We can we can project who's going to be first team. Yeah, but then, then the whole obj- the whole kind of uh, – Objectivity of it go out the window, and the problem is if you look at, if you go through the media, like the voting media for this year's All NBA team, it's about fifty fifty. Jason Tatum first mm-hmm. team, Jason Tatum yeah. second team. That is, I think, the the one question. Of course, I I would like to make the argument that this year it doesn't matter because what? because why? Well, what? But what are you saying about why you? So need really, what you're saying of all of AJ's work it was for not invalidated. You. you you're arguing you need that player because when the chips are on the mm-hmm. line, you want that. Mm-hmm. In the last 17 playoff games this season, we've had a total of seven clutch time minutes. The average margin of victory is 20 points. There hasn't been moments where the chips are on the line, and I need that star player is, is to win some, the game. Yeah, for but me. is there something about this season that makes that likely to continue? Because really, in the finals is when it really matters. 
right? So or, or I would. It doesn't matter in the conference finals. Well, I mean, I guess <laughs> I guess it matters how tough, how good your team is, right? Like, there's been years like like look, Golden State's not an all-time great team, mm-hmm. and they haven't We've been challenged. They haven't been cha- playoffs. Yeah, they haven't been challenged yet. This, I mean, really effectively, they haven't been challenged. So, like to me, some years you're gonna need it in the even the first round. Mm-hmm. Some year, but I would make the case. It's in the locker room. I mean, yeah, there, it is get a bucket and, 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 and get a stop, get a bucket. But I also think it's not letting, like, Boston, like, game three in Boston. If Tatum, does MJ let that team lose that game? You know, meaning maybe it's prep before the game. Maybe it's, Sure, does Jordan let the, a Warriors team lose by 30 to the, well, to the Grizzlies? I think, I, I think in a weird way, once you're down 20, sometimes it's smart. See, I think that's the thing about so rarely these spreads have mattered is driven by these teams look at it as a seven-game series. They're yeah. down 18. You can keep Nailed fighting it. back. I mean, Miami didn't really fight back last night. No, Miami played with house money. They were yeah. up two games to one, and they didn't care. So I think sometimes you can – you know, there was the famous Boston or the St. Valentine's Day massacre. Was that – what? What was that when it was it was Lakers and Boston and it was like eighty six and it ended up being like a forty five point it was like a crazy it's something Memorial some, Day massacre okay the Memorial Day massacre what was the the score of that game uh one second it was nineteen eighty five I'll get it yeah I mean so one forty eight one fourteen so so was it the the, the Celtics or no the, the Celtics, Celtics win yeah oh, okay. Boston's point total and sixty two field goals made remain NBA Finals records and then they lost the series if I'm not mistaken was that the year they uh, won? yeah in eighty five the Lakers won yeah so I mean I'm not saying it's a good sign when you get killed like that yeah. but all right listen AJ so uh, I, I I only have email buddies with. Dr. Andrews, but you tell him, let's get you, uh, you know. Let's get me right. Yeah. And if you get any of that pain medication, I know someone that might want it. Got it. Thanks. (laughs) 